0: Hello everyone, welcome to Reservations. We are your host. I am Rain Whalen.
1: And I'm the other one. <laughs> That's not Rain Whalen. Uh,
0: so, in case anyone saw, uh, to the uh, five people who listen, uh, the name of the podcast has changed to uh, Reservations with Rain and Jeremy, and that is because uh, Jeremy is going to be coming on full-time as uh, co-host, so we're going to be changing up. I mean not really changing up the format a little just little things here and there, but still gonna be the same back and forth that we've always had
1: and I'm so honored and i uh, <laughs> i'm I'm so happy to be getting a pay raise and
0: the, the pay raise from zero dollars to
1: zero dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, you know, oh God, this is my mom is so proud. Um, <laughs> I've never heard my dad say that he's proud of me, but if he ever said it, I feel like I, I yeah, you know, I feel like I deserve it this time. All, all,
0: all you want to hear is I'm proud of you. A, yep.
1: <laughs> um, my dad's not Canadian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we are continuing in our uh, month of 80s genres. can't believe we still have two more of these. <laughs> well, technically after this we have one left. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't not tell me you haven't had fun talking about 80s movies. I
1: mean it's been all right. I especially
0: know. for the last episode where you know we're good to actually talk about like the impact of the 80s film industry.
1: Yeah, you know this one. This one, uh, I'll. This should be all right.
0: Yeah. So, be um, as we said last week, uh, this week is all about eighties blockbusters. Uh, like Jeremy said, when when did you say the first blockbuster was accidentally made? Well,
1: I, when I say accidentally, I mean you know they weren't looking to make something that would you know um, cost so much money. Well, no, not cost so much money, but make so much money oh. and be like a cultural phenomenon, which was Jaws in '75.
0: Yeah. With, uh, you know, how many mechanical (laughs) sharks did they have to make? I don't know. Because the water kept (laughs) screwing it up. Um, But this – so this episode is all about blockbusters from the 80s. So uh, like Jeremy said, meaning um, these are movies that in the box office they killed it and they are, you know, everyone – I would say (laughs) most people should know these movies. Um,
1: I would think so. And also um – I think in the last episode I said blockbusters and big budgets. Yeah. So, the movies I talk about, the movies you talk about, they don't necessarily have to be monetarily successful. Mm-hmm. These are just movies that were big in scale and that had really big ideas and, you know, aren't your traditional, you know, like like dramas. Like I'm not talking about ordinary people this week, you know? Right. Um... That's sort of a small, intimate sort of sort of film. Um, these are not. Sorry. Right.
0: Well, um, and for also uh, time constraints, <laughs> me and Jeremy are keeping it down to uh, four movies apiece. And since I
1: started last week, Jeremy gets to start this week. That's me. That's you. That's me. That's you. Okay, great. Um, cool. So my first film that I want to talk about is Blade Runner. Nice. Uh, 1982. Actually, I'm also going to talk about another movie from 1982 uh, after this, but hang on, we'll get there. Uh, so, Blade Runner. Um, Ridley Scott. Um, and Harrison Ford.
0: And his his just the mess that was to make this movie.
1: This this movie's so cool. All right. Oh, it is. So uh, based on the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, I love. Science fiction literature titles—they're so cool. So here are some examples. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So we have "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep." Mm-hmm. We have "All You Zombies." We have "Super Toys Last All Summer Long." We have. Um, let's see what's another one. A story of your life, which is what Arrival is based on. Uh-huh, um, yeah. I mean the, I love the titles that science fiction writers come up with. Okay. uh, Especially in, like, either short story form or, you know, in the case of this one, novel, long form. Um, Anyway, so Blade Runner. Blade Runner was so important because it, number one, showed us that the future doesn't have to be slick and clean. Mm-hmm. Right, this one yep. is dirty and it's it's lived in. Right, right. This future doesn't look like you just unwrapped it out of a box. Mm-hmm. Like this future has been like, there for a while.
0: Like like uh like Metropolis kind of future. Yeah,
1: like it. Yeah. <clears throat> I wish I could come up with another example. Uh, <laughs> um, even Metropolis was a little was a little more, you know, dirty and lived in. Because, you know, you had the the workers and then you had the affluent Uh, society. So the workers, you know, they were, you know, it it went down there. So (laughs) the lived-in feel, right? Right. And, you know, I'd like to think that Terry Gilliam saw the impact of Blade Runner and said, Oh, cool, because my sort of dystopian future can also look like that Mm -hmm. with Brazil. Because Brazil also looks very lived-in. Very, you know, grungy, and you know, not this sort of like I said, slick. Everything is, you know, Pristine stainless steel. Yeah, yeah, um, like the bicentennial man or some shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: the the actual man, not the
0: not the Robin Williams movie.
1: No, no, I meant the Robin Williams movie, but I oh, mean, yeah. like the the actual bicentennial man himself. You know, he was slick and clean <clears throat> and yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I keep getting off topic of Blade Runner. <laughs> and, and you just
0: told me, like, to yeah. stay on topic with this episode. Yeah,
1: stay on topic, Rain. <laughs> Damn it. How dare you? Anyway, uh, Blade Runner. So, <laughs> to me, Blade Runner is so important because of that lived-in feel. It's also, uh, we vaguely touched on it in the film noir episode because it's a neo-noir. Yes. Um, and so we have this, in. With Blade Runner, it's, it's 60-40. So it's 60% neo-noir, 40% science fiction. Science fiction, exactly. And so that sort of makes it not so campy, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't rely so much on the the science fiction technology aspect of everything. Like right. If you took the science fiction away from it, it's still sort of a... A mystery thriller yeah. crime movie, right? Mm-hmm. And with the added bonus of this sort of overlining mystery, is Deckert a replicant, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it not.
0: <laughs> I was hoping that we would probably touch on that a little Still bit. Still
1: debated to this day. Um, it, was he a replicant? You know, with the, uh, the arrival of Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of have an answer to that, uh, which is a shame. But but it's a no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. But you know the 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 mystery of the first one is still really cool to explore because they give they drop a little hints mm-hmm. and depending on which cut you watch, um has more or less which in, right clues. I, be, I
0: believe it was you. You told me
1: you have to watch the final cut. I love the final cut. I have the final cut. The final cut, to me, is the the better one. But um, if you watch the first one, you know, the theatrical cut, mm-hmm. that one's fine. The one after that is the voiceover like, oh, cut, okay. which I don't care for. It's like Harrison Ford took some ambient <laughs> and red lines <laughs> off a clipboard. <laughs> Like he puts no effort into it <laughs> at all. Like he's just reading. Know? I,
0: I bet you he probably didn't want to do it. Like, I guarantee you he didn't want to do it. He like needed, we made the movie. Why do I need to do this?
1: Right. Like we, it's done. <laughs> like we already did it. I'm already doing other things.
0: Because I'm assuming they did the voiceover cut years after they
1: finished the theatrical cut. Or I maybe wish that, I had done more research on that. How? I don't know. Um, it, the way he's reading it, it makes it seem that way. Okay. Um. And so it's just sort of apathetic and you know, the the way he's reading it. And so when you're listening to it, you're like, ugh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You could just tell he didn't care, right? So um, I recommend The Final Cut, um, which still has that underlining mystery of is Deckard a Replicant, right? Oh, yeah. Um, which is really cool because, you know, it provides you with a little bit of, you know, you... You're suspenseful about, you know, him trying to track down this replicant, him trying to whatever, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but mm-hmm. then you're like, well, hang on. You know, what if he's one, right? Yeah. And he doesn't know it because the the woman didn't know. Uh, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel didn't know, um, which is really interesting. And it, it has some, like, philosophical, you know, connotations to it, you know, mm-hmm. that – we built this thing that doesn't know that it's machine and then that's it, you know, is that wrong and whatever. It um, but I guess all that to say, Blade Runner is super important, not just for science fiction, but for sort of reigniting this neo-noir sort of um genre and getting, you know people excited about these murder mysteries or these crime mysteries. and Right. Um, and also now we know who Philip K. Dick is, which is really cool. Because, uh, you know, from there we got like a Scanner Darkly, which is also a Philip K. Dick. Yeah. And now we have Man in the High Castle uh, with um, people in it. <laughs> I started that sentence like I was going to tell you an actor's name, and I don't know anybody. Um I- but it's I, on I Amazon can see,
0: Prime, I can see their faces. Yeah. I just, I just don't know their names.
1: Yeah, I know. And he also has an
0: episode of that show. Never seen episode.
1: I want to. Well, and then he's got his Electric Dreams show. It's kind of like a Black Mirror esque sort of show on Amazon, and it's not as good. Oh, Okay. As Black, because I mean, you're comparing it to Black Mirror, and you can't because yeah. Black Mirror is so good. Yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, Blade Runner. <laughs> I love Blade Runner. <laughs> um. And so should you. Uh, I do
0: love it. Um, you know, I remember watching it. Now, I will say, <clears throat> it was a little slow for my liking, but I still enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Still thought it was fantastic. Um, and of course, I know all the hell that Ridley Scott had to go through to get this movie made. Mm-hmm. And it was, they were behind schedule, right?
1: This is, I mean, so if those of you who need to know the timeline of Ridley Scott and blade runner this, this is, is after right, alien this is right after alien oh okay um i don't think he did anything else in between
0: yeah cuz he did he he did aliens right no.
1: no no that was james cameron did aliens ah yeah so um so he did alien in in 79 and then blade runner in 82 okay i'm pretty sure that's the order it goes in
0: Let's just say it was. Um, but yeah, no, I know... Great, thanks. Yeah, I know all the hell that he had to get through like with the studio and that... I want to say that the studio was claiming that they were over budget or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It it definitely seemed like a very expensive movie to make.
1: It looks expensive. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, the expensiveness is just the world building. It's not... You know, I mean, it's not like you know they they wasted it on you know some stupid like one thing, right? I mean, it is, it is, he built a world and it looks so cool, and, yeah, because it's yeah,
0: it's like a combination of like China and like New York. Well, it's LA, oh, oh, that's right, that's right, yeah, but like. I read somewhere that they said, like, the universal language of this future is Chinese. Yeah, Mandarin. We don't hear, oh yeah, Mandarin. But even though we don't hear a single person speak it. And I read something about, like, how like, they are speaking it, but it's, no one can see me quoting, translated for the audience Mm. or something. I don't know.
1: That's interesting. I, um, by the way, I love the idea of that um, that there, they are speaking a different language, but thus they're not right mm-hmm. because it's being translated. It's. Uh, if do, do you watch Mr. Robot? I've wanted to. It's fantastic. I mean, that's
0: what, and this is last season, right?
1: Yeah. Um, but he in the pilot says the name of the company that is gonna like that he wants to take down. It says it starts with an E, but anytime anyone ever says it, all he can hear is Evil Corp. And so, anytime anyone says the name of the company, they say Evil Corp because that's what he hears, and so that's what we hear.
0: Oh. Ah, right.
1: That's and cool. It's super interesting. So I, I really like um, the idea of that.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I feel like Blade Runner has all this mythology behind it. Like you're saying, like there's so much. To like unravel and unpack, mm-hmm. still to this day, you yeah. know, like, like the you know, the, of course, the big one was, you know, was Deckard
1: a um, replicant? You know, um, and uh, you know, you could even argue because I, I stopped watching Terminator movies after the second one. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Judgment Day was the best one. Well, I know, but after <laughs> that, I mean, I, I know that they did Genesis, and they're going to do. Well, so the other one, yeah. So, one. so
0: Genesis was supposed to be like a reboot, but it since it tanked so hard, yeah, it did. Um, they they're doing the new one, which is Dark Fate, which Dark supposedly is supposed to pick up.
1: How do they? Do you know how they? Yada yada. How he looks like an old man now, because he's a robot. Robots don't age, right? Um. You don't have to answer that. It's just like... (laughs) I'm I'm just going to go off If they can get away with it, I feel like so can Blade Runner and maybe he still is a replicant is what I'm trying to get to in 2049. Yeah, I'm
0: going to go with all my uh, knowledge of science fiction that they gave him like not necessarily an aging thing. But to uh, like an adaptive aging, like to it's so odd to make to make uh Arnold's uh uh what, what is he the T13 or something like that? I don't know. Fuck. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but to to give him like an adaptive aging to where you know, you know, he blends in again. No one can see me air quoting
1: that's very silly,
0: but I'm not gonna go see Dark Fate anyway because, of course, not again. I'm not gonna uh, see it. Uh, I, you know, Terminator 2 Judgment Day was the best one.
1: And it's not Blade Runner. And that's what I'm trying to get to. Is that Blade <laughs> Runner is amazing. And even 2049 I thought was phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. I loved 2049. Um, absolutely. Um, now see that one was flip flopped. Where in my eyes, that it was um We're taking a replicant and
0: he doesn't know if he's human.
1: Not what I was getting to, how? but you're right. <laughs> um, I was gonna say it's sixty percent science fiction, forty percent New this time. Yeah. So that's what my my buddy Kale he you know he was like it was good, but I really liked that they didn't lean so much on the science fiction the first one, and they did on this one.
0: Right. Um, well, and I think that's because you have a different director. This, you know, and Ridley Scott guided Twenty Forty Nine. Mm, right. Yeah. Oh um, yeah.
1: But, and you're right. Even the. The plot is flip-flopped.
0: Yeah. that We're taking a replicant that the the audience knows is a replicant, mm-hmm. but we're going to make him think he might be human. Right. And they've just been messing with his memories
1: mm-hmm. for so long. but Which is super interesting. And, you know, it's why I know we've – I don't know if we talked about it on mic because I don't remember. But <laughs> when we were arguing – about um which <laughs> which Indiana Jones is better. I am
0: either one hundred percent sure it is in an episode or
1: well, I know that is but I don't know. One hundred percent this. sure so,
0: that it was right before we started recording.
1: <laughs> so I know we've we've talked about, you know, like obviously I like Last Crusade better than Temple of Tomb. You're the opposite, whatever. Uh, Temple of Tomb is the So the way Kale didn't like um, and I completely understand his point that he really dug that they didn't lean too much on the on the science fiction in the first one, but they did in the second one. Whatever, right? Um, that's why he didn't like Skyfall. So when and now we're talking about um, James, James Bond. Bond. Uh, so obviously, we both absolutely love Casino Royale.
0: Everyone, just take this trip with us. Yeah,
1: sorry. Well, yes, uh, yeah. Because Casino Royale is the best one, obviously. Yeah, N- no question, right? And. It's because they didn't rely on the gadgets, right? That
0: he's using his mind to... And his bare fists. Oh, yeah. All
1: right? Like, this dude is doing parkour on scaffolding equipment, and, you know...
0: Oh, that's right. It but in Skyfall,
1: one. he's given, you know, a little tracker, this little thumbprint, or palm print, you know, gun. gun. Or like, you know, it's, it's sort of going back to the old way of... Mm-hmm. You know the the sort of um, dox machina of a James Bond device that can save the day, yeah. just in time. <sighs> well, I don't know. I still like Skyfall. Obviously, Casino Royale is so much better.
0: Well, but to to close out the uh, <laughs> Blade Runner James Bond thing, yeah. uh, again, like I told you off mic, and no one could see oh, me oh. doing this. Casino
1: Royale, high point. Absolutely. Quantum Solus, low point. low point. Skyfall. High point. I see we... Spectre... We, low point. Yeah, we, we agree that Casino Royale and Skyfall... Were the better of the right. four movies. Well, he, soon to be five movies. He says it's the first two that are the best. And is just. It. I know. Listen, I don't, we don't, I, we're not yeah, going to get into yeah. it. Yeah, if we get into it, then... I'm just making the comparison <laughs> yeah. that I understand his qualms. With 2049. Yeah, because, you know, it is, it is a little more heavy handed with the with the science fiction, but I don't know. I I still I still really dig it. I don't think it was too outlandish. I think it was great. But less is more. And that's why Blade Runner remains to be one of the greatest science fiction films of all
0: oh, time. Absolutely. I remember the first time I ever watched it. Well I think on the back of my copy of The Final Cut it says one of the best science fiction movies made. Yeah. But
1: anyway Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I'm done. Okay. Uh, so for <laughs> the end. Oh man, I need to find a better way to close. <laughs> so, um,
0: so for my first movie, kind of keeping with the your 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 theme of uh, it being based on a book. Um, my first movie uh, is based on, and I have it up. I'm not just. Oh. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, is based on the 1981 novel. And this is going to give it away because they just changed one word uh, based on the book, uh, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? And it's the 1988 film, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who
1: Framed Roger Rabbit!
0: Which, I'll be honest, I like Who Framed Roger Rabbit more than Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, man. Um, And can I just say that, you know, and I'm pretty sure I said this during our Back to the Future episodes. Mm Uh, Robert Zemeskis could do no wrong like I mean yeah he's made a few movies that maybe didn't do good
1: <laughs> sorry I made a face that's why he's laughing Um, yeah are you I, thinking Beowulf? yeah he did no, Beowulf I actually wasn't thinking that one because um, I forget it was a movie at all um, uh, A Christmas was, Story with Jim Carrey yeah I was thinking that <laughs> I was thinking you know Welcome to Marwin didn't do very well either well you know when he went through this
0: time period of I'm just going to make fully CG movies.
1: Which I liked the... The Polar Express is great. Yeah, I was going to tell you, I I liked the creativity of the Polar Express and putting Tom Hanks in... Like all the roles? Yeah, I actually really liked that. (laughs) Um, A photorealistic Tom Hanks? But I didn't like the movie so much. (laughs) I think, you know, I just liked the creativity of the Polar Express. But anyway, to me, Who Framed Roger Rabbit besides back to the future is his best oh absolutely yeah yeah. Um,
0: I mean <clears throat> this was uh, man I'm, I'm gonna have to really recess my memory breaks here uh, I'm pretty sure this is the first movie I ever saw with a combination of live action and animated mm-hmm. um, you know these cartoon characters and I th- but I'm also and I'm I'm gonna That money on it. This is the movie that got me so interested in cartoons. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I always, as a kid, I always loved cartoons, but I felt like after seeing this, I loved cartoons. Um, Because of just, you know, all the different cameos they make of, you know, Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse, which I have something to say about that because I learned something. I want to say I learned it from you. I'm going to go and give you props. Oh, thanks. I don't remember who told me. Yeah, let's hey, like say it was me.
1: Um,
0: but we'll get back to that. Um, you know, we, you know. Then we have you know the 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 characters created for the movie, like the weasels. Mm-hmm. I love all the weasels, uh, and I love Roger Rabbit himself. Um, but you know, then you have the real life cast of Bob Hoskins and Christopher Lloyd. Just great, great chemistry from everyone. And I think it also, this helped me really like mysteries. Even though the mystery aspect kind of like with Blade Runner isn't, I mean, the mystery aspect I would definitely say is 50% of the movie, Mm -hmm. but the other 50% is just cartoon hijinks. Yeah. You know, almost like a living cartoon Mm -hmm. is who framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Um, And... uh, and I just love that it, it plays on all the tropes of cartoons, mm-hmm. but if they were in real life, you know. Like, in Hollywood, there's—oh, uh, shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> fuck, 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 Sorry, fuck, Mom. fuck, 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 um, fuck, fuck, fuck. Toontown. I knew I'd remember it. Toontown wow. is— Literally just a drive away from LA. I'd
1: like to remind everyone he was trying to remember the word tune down.
0: (laughs) But you know, and and, you know, and everyone is so used to these cartoon characters living among them. And I now that I'm older, I really like that kind of surrealistic hyper reality of to them this is normal. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously in real life cartoons aren't real, but what if we lived in a world where they were and they interacted with us and they had jobs and, you know, like I I love the fact the movie starts with the taping of an episode of Roger Rabbit's show. yeah And we actually see that he's an actor and it's not, he's just drawn. Mm-hmm. But I do also like that the characters uh, don't play by their own rules. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Trying to remember, I want to say it's the scene where Jessica Rabbit kind of comes on to Eddie, and she says something like, "I'm not cruel. I'm just drawn that way." Yeah, like it's it's so good because like she even acknowledges, like, "Yeah, I was created," Mm -hmm. but she has her own life. And anyway, that's uh, an interesting
1: point. Um, Also, I'd like to point out that um, I I was watching an interview with. Robert Zemeckis, I guess, for the um, For Roger Rabbit. No, for the Back to the Future episode. Um, but he had mentioned Roger Rabbit because uh, they had done they had done it in between Back to the Future and Back to the Future Two. To, yeah, right.
0: yeah, he. They were writing as we yeah, as we mentioned in the Back to the Future. They were writing part. Technically, part two because part two and part three were wrong. But <laughs> while they were working yeah. on this, because I think Bob Gale also, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it was the no, Bob Gale did not work on oh, this one. Interesting.
1: See, I just always assumed Bob Gale was there too. You
0: yeah, know the Bobs. Um, I mean, I'm sure Bob was there, but he didn't write it.
1: Um, but anyway, um, Zemeckis said that that movie lived on the on the shoulders of Bob Hoskins, Really? Because if he didn't deliver a performance that was believable, Mm -hmm. the movie can't survive. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. So he is attributing the success and the believability of the movie to Bob because without him, like without his delivery, without his, I guess, commitment Mm -hmm. to this, hey, you are... Talking with
0: nothing. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was actually before Tennis Ball. They, oh, right. They used... Because um, I, I love this movie, and so, like, my grandparents had, like, the 30th anniversary or something, or 20th anniversary, and they had a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, and they made not really scale models, but about the size of a toddler
1: mm-hmm. for them
0: to, to, look, and, at. to look at.
1: And, and so the movie lives with Bob, right? Oh, yeah. But... Uh they also mentioned, I think this was Bill Hader was talking about it, I think, or something, <laughs> that he loves this movie, too. Right? Oh, that and, makes me happy. And he said, I think it was Bill Hader. I'm sorry if it's not. But he had mentioned just one scene, and it's like the most complicated scene <laughs> is walking into that piano bar. Oh, Yeah. And, you know, the the penguins are walking around with trays and putting drinks down. Mm-hmm. And seeing the behind the scenes Work. is insane because it's just things on wires, pulley systems, mm-hmm. you know, and because the trays and the drinks are real, but the penguins aren't. And so they have to rig it to where the, the trays are at this height and how the... <laughs> the The drink has to be pulled on a pulley system to come down on the table at a certain time, and mm-hmm. it's so complicated. The way, I mean, they pulled it off. That's a miracle.
0: Yeah, especially for '88, where mm-hmm. you know, you know, now we have movies where people can act or a- interact with fully CG characters, and it's almost seamless. You know, yeah. You look at any comic book movie made in the last ten years. And they have to when you know if a, a living, breathing actor has to interact with a fully CG character, it's. I mean, yep. there's there's a few tricks you can see that are like, mm. but it's so seamless. And for 1988, without that sort of technology, yeah, they they crushed it. I can't believe they pulled it off. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's almost impossible, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm.
0: especially with with all the you know like you said with all the real stuff that they use that the. Animated characters have to interact with, mm-hmm. you know, like with the, the trays and the drinks, um, and even the
1: pianos. The pianos are real too.
0: That the 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 Daffy Ducks. Duck and yeah. Donald Duck are playing on.
1: Now, that brings up another and You can talk about it if you want, because I don't know a whole lot about it. But the licensing issue, yeah, is really interesting.
0: That's yeah. So that's what I'm going to bring up. Because, uh, like I said, I want to say it was you who told me, but some I either I read it, or someone told me something. But Disney had very, very restrictive things with their characters mm. because, you know, this was produced by um,
1: Warner Brothers. Mm. Um, Touchstone. To, it was Touchstone. I'm trying to think of what my Blu-ray oh, says. Oh, so it was Disney anyway.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> but since I guess the film was a little bit more adult, mm-hmm. um from what I understand, Disney said that if you're gonna use Mickey in a scene, um No, it was bugs. It was bugs, it wasn't Mickey. If they if they were gonna use bugs in a scene, Warner Brothers said if you're gonna use bugs in the scene, he has to have the exact same amount of screen time as Mickey Mouse. Oh, gotcha. And so that's why they show up together in the exact same scene mm-hmm. and they follow the scene together that way. Everyone is happy.
1: Yeah, that's less math to do.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah. So then, I guess really the the only licensing would come from Warner Brothers and their characters, like because you only see you only see Daffy, Bugs, Yosemite Sam.
1: I know it's hard, but
0: yeah. There's so many characters.
1: I mean, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. The just the idea. I mean, I guess it's just because we are so used to companies butting heads yeah. in terms of licensing who owns what. You can't use that, no, because we own it, you don't.
0: Yeah, especially like the Sony Marvel deal.
1: Right. So um so to us in in future times and now times mm-hmm. <laughs> That was a weird way to say it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna double down. I'm gonna say it again in future times where I live. Um, in in reference to the in relative to the movie, um, that just seems impossible. Oh yeah, uh, to have these two gigantic companies just be like yeah sure you can use them yeah, yeah. they can be in a scene together that's fine but
0: they have to be yeah
1: I mean yeah I mean that stipulation is fine you know because even that just doesn't seem feasible today either mm-hmm. you know I remember um, someone had mentioned on Facebook or somewhere um they showed an old episode of the X-Men cartoon right oh yeah and all of these Marvel characters were in the same scene. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, can you imagine? <laughs> you yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's possible within the cartoon world, mm-hmm. at least back then in the 90s. But you can't do that anymore. Oh, no. Because too many different people own
0: different types. Different rights, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger it's, Rabbit?
0: It's, it's, a good, it's a good mystery at the same time being a you know wacky cartoon movie. Um, great cast. Um, not to call him out. I highly doubt my brother listens to this. Aww. But before we move on to your next movie, I have to say this. Oh, uh, my brother, when he was a child, hated the scene where Christopher Lloyd as uh, Judge Doom dips the shoe. Yeah. And the shoe like squeaks. My brother, when he was... oh god, He, he had to have been five years old. He would... Cry hysterically at that scene because he did not want to watch it. Um, Sad, I know. And me as that the already such a wuss, <laughs> I went the opposite way on you. Well, no, yeah. I was going to say as me as the hardened twelve year old was like it's just a cartoon. It's I was not, like,
1: whatever, man, that shoe totally deserved it.
0: Man, I mean, he didn't, but anyway, no, he
1: didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, um, before you move, before I move on. Yeah, you're next. Um, I'd like to mention the added. Um, it's kind of a storyline, I guess, or I guess it's just an added bonus to the to the movie where.
0: Oh, the car- the actual episode that they animated. No, no.
1: Oh. Um, I was going to say it's it's sort of an added layer to the to the plot and to the narrative that it's sort of a callback to the civil rights movement where cartoons are treated as. Less Secondhand than. citizens, pretty much. Yeah, they're treated as less than. I didn't think about that. Oh, look at that. Wow. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting uh, idea to throw into this children's movie. <laughs> is well, that? I
0: wouldn't say it was a children's movie, per se. No? I'd say family movie. Okay. There we go. All right, cool. So, your next movie, my
1: friend. Okay. It came out the same year as Blade Runner. Okay. It also is based on a novel with a very cool name. Um the title of the book is called Who Goes There. Ooh. It's John Carpenter's the Thing.
0: Now, I'm assuming we are going to talk about why you opened it with John Carpenter's the Thing.
1: I I would love to say uh, <laughs> why because the um first off, the remake I haven't seen. So and it's technically not a remake; it's a prequel. Um,
0: which I need—I need some explanation for that. We'll, but we'll get, there. get there. You know, we'll, we'll get there at a later time. So,
1: have you ever seen the movie Halloween? It's John Carpenter's Halloween. This came out four years before the thing did, nineteen seventy-eight. It's one of the first times we ever see a steady cam shot, which we talked about a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Yes, because we talked about The Shining.
1: Yes. So uh, John Carpenter obviously used the, the steadicam, whatever. That's not what I want to talk about. Uh, I think it's in Lori's house, um, which is Jamie Lee Curtis's, where she's at uh, babysitting the kids, right? You you mean
0: you mean um, Michael Myers is sister, not sister. Character? Yeah, <laughs> she's a sister, and then they retcon it. She's not his. No, no, no. she was never his sister. And then she becomes his sister, then they retcon it, and she's not his sister. It's very confusing. But, yeah. Anyway, in her house.
1: Yeah, at the house she's at, um, the children are watching an old science fiction film uh, from the 50s, and it turns out that film is The Thing from Another World, which is... I'm assuming that's the original... Which is based on the novel Who Goes There. Okay. Um, Yeah. So... (laughs) The reason why that title is so cool, and I mean it, it tells you everything you need to know about this movie. Mm-hmm. Is it's about this alien that can shape shift into anybody, right. right? And so, who goes there? It's it's sort of like you know this. I'm sure you've heard people say it like, "Halt! Who goes there?" Right? Oh yeah. Um, but it, it gives it a little extra, you know. Little extra weight, a little extra, you know, meaning to the who goes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Russell, total badass, right? Well, God, I love Kurt Russell because he's just because he's Kurt Russell, because he's Kurt Russell. He can also be Santa Claus
0: and make it awesome.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that, but yeah, but I, he was I,
0: awesome. Eh, was I'm good. sure he's fine.
1: Anyway, so why is this movie so important? I love this movie. And I haven't really loved it for that long. I think the first time I saw it was like five years ago. Okay. Um, my dad really, really digs this movie, and he would always tell me to watch it. And he's been trying to tell me to watch the same movie. Not this one, a different movie for, I don't know, 10, 15 years now. Okay. Uh, and I just don't watch it just despite him. <laughs> 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 because he always tells me to watch it. I go, oh, yeah, sure, will get right on that. <sighs> Whatever. Um, I'm sure he's listening <laughs> like, oh. I was like, okay. No, he knows. Um because now it's a joke that he tells me to, you know, I'll watch it all the time. Anyway, but no, so we told me to watch the thing and finally I was like, fine, I'll watch it. Because, you know, I like Kurt Russell and you know, let's let's see what this whole thing's about. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. Alright, so um I saw it, I loved it. Um Reasons I loved it. Reason why it works so much. Uh, I like anything in the snow. I like cold weather. We're yeah. sweating right now, and I hate that. Um, <laughs> at least I'm sweating. I'm
0: not sweating yet. My I mean, ears is sweating. Anyway. It's only seventy-one in here.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Um, which I really liked. I liked that the the this thing, this alien, mm-hmm. didn't crash down like. We don't start the movie with it crashing down, right? It's been here already. Right. Right. And so the movie begins with it's already attacked to the Swedish exploratory company there in the Arctic or wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now it's coming for them, right? And it's in the form of a dog. And, you know, they're, they're shooting at the dog from a helicopter. And they're like, we got to kill it, you know, whatever like dude what are you doing dude it's a dog bro look it's sweet you know let's throw it in with our dogs that doesn't go well anyway so uh, that's actually what the prequel is the prequel is the the Swedish exploratory Ah. that's the new one that just came out yeah a few years ago Mary Elizabeth Winstead yeah uh, that one yeah it's about them and so at the end of that movie I assume a dog starts running out and that's it Ah. then we then we kick off this one Ah, it's interesting,
0: right? I never knew that. I know. I just thought it was just a remake. No, nah. because you know, prequel. Cool. Hollywood has no ideas. That's true. Uh, I mean, because even then, this one is a remake.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, yep. But this one is different because it's got the the cool sort of you know they went Cronenberg with it.
0: Oh yeah 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 um, body horror.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is gross, and it is scary. So, the thing about... The
0: thing about the thing?
1: (laughs) Oh, man, I gotta quit doing that. What makes the thing so scary is that John Carpenter really dials up the suspense. So, there's a Mm -hmm. scene where they're trying to figure out which one of these people is not who they say they are. And they do that by they draw blood from everyone. Right. Right? And they drop acid, I think, on it. Because whatever it is, it's going to try to defend itself, right? And so they drop it on one. It didn't do anything. Okay, you're safe, right? Let's do the next one, and the next one, and the next. And it, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, dude, come on, you know? And on that last one, that blood just pops up out of the out of the petri dish like holy shit <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> it was him get him and also one of the characters is Dr. Blair and I like that <laughs> um, it's Wilfred Brimley without his mustache oh yeah yeah anyway so there's something
0: I want uh, to add to, to this um, and you're going to hate this okay because you've already said on mic you do not like this show
1: yeah probably <laughs>
0: But Stranger Things I just hate this show <laughs> um, Stranger Things has actually made multiple references to this version of The Thing uh-huh. um, uh, so in season one Mike, oh, which I saw Mike, that one uh, Finn Wolfhard's character yeah. has the poster on his wall in mm-hmm. the basement
1: now the poster is his own different story and we'll get there
0: um, and then towards the end of season one their teacher Mr. Clark is watching it on TV, assuming he probably rented it, um, and he's explaining to his date how they did the, you know, the body mutilation of like the head detaching from the body, which he says they used gum, that they heated up gum and then it melted. Um, I'm sure that's probably true yeah, sure, because true. you know the Duffer Brothers, I'm sure, did their research. Mm-hmm for what their characters are going to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then in season three, which I know you haven't
1: watched. No, because this show's stupid anyway.
0: <laughs> they bring up John, and they say it, John Carpenter's The Thing. That's right. Um, <laughs> because they are <laughs> comparing it <laughs> to the old one, because they're comparing New Coke Mm. In 1985, <laughs> to the original flavor of the Coke, and they're saying how New Coke is like John Carpenter's the thing because it's better. <laughs> and it is the funniest fucking thing ever. Cause if anyone who listens lived in the eighties, then you can attest that New Coke was awful.
1: I mean, like <laughs> it's so good. It's it's not that new Coke was awful. Because I'm sure it was. I've never read New Coke. But it's such a remarkable marketing strategy to say... Because I think they're...
0: Well, they changed the recipe.
1: Well, yeah. But here's the thing. I think they did it on purpose, and they knew people wouldn't like it. Because once they brought Coca-Cola Classic back, their revenue would skyrocket. That makes sense.
0: So, So you're saying... Sidebar for everyone. So you're saying they, they intentionally released a product that they knew people were going to hate. Mm. I mean, that makes sense. Mm. And
1: I mean, to make them want the old one back. I mean,
0: Coke has been around for, what, the 50s?
1: And I think their their sales were going down and they're like, well, let's do this. Let's make it look like we're revamping the product. I can
0: – dude, now that you've said it, I can see some, some 80s businessman – just did a bump. It was yep. like new Coke, new Coke, <laughs> and trust us, we're gonna make it awful. And we're gonna then we're gonna say we're gonna bring back Coke Classic. That's and right. Everyone's gonna buy it, and then everyone else did a bump, and they're like, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> in case anyone didn't know, uh, people did cocaine in the eighties. Oh my god. Anyway, back to, back to the thing.
1: <laughs> I'm sure those those kids on that Stranger Things show you watch do a whole bunch of coke. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the poster real quick okay so I have the poster in my office at work um, it is a Drew Struzan yeah I love Drew Struzan we've talked about him before uh, on, on the cast that's short for podcast yes got it <laughs> <laughs> so he was given a task he said the, the studio called him and said hey we got a job for you he goes cool um, I was like what is it He goes, it's a remake of The Thing from Another World. He goes, okay, cool. Who's that? He goes, we don't know yet. He's like, okay. What's it about? He goes, it's kind of like the first one. (laughs) Okay? Uh, When do you need it? Tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus. He goes, okay. (laughs) Give me a minute? (laughs) You know? And so he created this image that is so iconic that he did overnight. That is this... (laughs) this silhouette or not really silhouette I guess you do see some of the the body parts in it but it's this man in a parka in the snow with the light shooting from the hood mm-hmm. the reason he did that is because we don't know who's in it right no one had been cast yet okay and so he's like he can't draw a an actor's face in it right yeah he,
0: yeah he can't draw you know
1: but what he did because he couldn't do that was tell you everything you need to know about the movie Mhm, that this alien can turn into anyone, and so it doesn't matter who that person is in the hood, oh, yeah. right It's so brilliant, and I highly recommend people to look up the the poster if you don't know what I'm talking about,
0: which because so, they even use that same imagery for the uh <clears throat> the prequel. Right? Yeah,
1: they did. I mean it's it's slightly different, but you know, because
0: it looks more like a photograph than hand drawn. Right. Hand-drawn. And
1: instead of the light shooting out of the hood, it's dark, you can't see the person in the hood, right? Uh, okay. Um but when they gave it to the studio, it was still wet. Yeah. So he had he had put it in the or whatever, like packaged it to where it's not going to whatever and gave it to them and as soon I mean drove it to the studio, the the people who picked it up and once he got it to him, they're like, "This is still wet," <laughs> you know. And it's like, "Well, you told him, <laughs> like you said, we need it tomorrow." So- yeah. And so he did, it. and that's what he came up with, and it's absolutely brilliant. Oh yeah. Um, so, what I guess I'm trying to get at is everything about this movie, from top to bottom, is great. Hmm. Um, it's. And it, would you say that's
0: why people refer to it as John Carpenter's The Thing, not <laughs> just The Thing?
1: Yeah, also, you know, John Carpenter did a really good job of making himself sort of this, like, he sort of branded himself, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's John Carpenter's Halloween.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? It's John Carpenter's a thing. It's John Carpenter's vampires. It's John Carpenter's, I don't know, I guess I'm (laughs) running out of examples. Um, Wait, they live. All right, we're good. (laughs) Um I think he also did um, Assault on pre-C-13, but we, we don't have to get into that. Anyway. Okay. Uh, but he sort of branded himself, sort of like Kubrick did. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's Stanley Kubrick's A Shining. It's Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange. This is John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Right? Anyway, The Thing. The, I love it. So should you.
0: Okay. Um, so taking a <laughs> kind of a different direction for that, for my next movie, and it's one that I really wrestled with talking about uh, last week with comedies because I wanted to talk about it because I love this movie dearly. It's another one I truly believe that was made in the 80s. That is virtually a perfect movie. You know, Back to the Future is one. The Goonies is another. This is another one that I consider is a perfect movie. Well, that and Ferris. Ferris Bueller's, yeah, awesome, perfect movie. <laughs> Um nineteen eighty-four Ghostbusters. Oh, Ghostbusters. Um, love this movie so dearly. I have um the anniversary editions. I'm not gonna talk about two, mainly because two was made, I think, what, early nineties? Anyway, two sucks. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, two <laughs> sucks. Um it, I didn't like two at all. It
1: was <sighs> it, Ghostbusters is 2 was almost it was very meta well I've never seen Ghostbusters 2 so I I I mean,
0: you should watch it just to experience it and then immediately forget (laughs) every forget it
1: um I just <laughs> the reason I love this scene in Zombieland so much is because of Ghostbusters, where they're they're acting out oh, the well, scene, where they're going to get just like hurry, hurry, he's on the ceiling. You know, I just I love it so much. <laughs> and just, just Emma Stone doing her her Brooklyn accent and the it's her, so great.
0: Her and her Annie Potts, yeah,
1: it's fantastic. Anyway, uh, go for
0: it. Ghostbusters. So we have you know right off the bat, great cast. Oh. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray Harold Ramis uh, Sigourney Reaver um, Rick Moranis, who, I mean, he shows up occasionally, and uh, Ernie Hudson um, Can't forget, everyone forgets about Ernie Hudson. He is a ghostbuster That's right. Yes I mean, sure, he comes in in the middle of the movie and doesn't really do much, but it's Ernie Hudson <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I love this movie so much because it's, you know, again, with like what you're saying with Blade Runner, it melds all these different genres together. Mm -hmm. And it does it so well. You know, comedy. Um, I wouldn't really say science fiction per se. I mean, yeah, I mean, they make the proton packs, which would be considered science fiction. But that's as far as it goes. And then you have, you know, kind of horror with, you know, the ghosts and the ghouls. But it blends everything so well, and it just oh, this is a perfect, perfect movie that is a testament, in my opinion, to the '80s mm-hmm. uh, and '80s filmmaking, and you know the fact that they um, <laughs> make jokes at every turn. You know, like you know, Ray. If someone asks you if you are a god, you say yes. Uh, when you know, when Zool in its. I don't know what form it looks like. David Bowie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's but the movie's fantastic, man. I mean, like I feel like this is this should be a, everyone's entry to what the '80s had to offer as far as film industry. Because I mean, once you see this, you, you I feel like it snowballs and you just start seeing everything that was made in the '80s. Because <laughs> I remember seeing this before I saw Ferris Bueller. I saw this, then Ferris Bueller, and then, um, I want to say then the Goonies, and it just snowballed down. And it's, oh, it's so good. Me and Ashley also were, Ashley and I. Uh, nice catch. To to Jeremy's mom, who I know is listening. Jeremy and I, uh, Ashley and I, it's now said Jeremy and I. Ashley and I saw the, um, I want to say the 30th anniversary edition at Regal cool. for a uh, Fathom event that mm-hmm. they were doing.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing the Fathom event in a couple of weeks. Shawshank is having their 25th. Uh, shout out to uh, Regal. Shout out to Fathom events, man. Uh, I saw this sidebar for Fathom events. Um, <laughs> Kale and I went to go see uh, Young Frankenstein oh, when we were in college. Awesome. Because of Fathom events, and I get to go see Shawshank in two weeks because of Fathom events. So I'm you know, very excited.
0: Again, with the sidebar of Fathom Events, I feel like Fathom Events give people the opportunity to see their favorite movies in theater because they didn't get to. So, like, yeah. with the Ghostbusters, obviously, wasn't born in 84. Oh, you weren't? No. Yeah. I'm not a time traveler. The time traveler's wife's husband.
1: <laughs> that was terrible.
0: <laughs> that was a Deadpool 2, T.J. Uh, Miller joke. Um, the time traveler's wife's husband beat me out. <laughs> anyway. Um, but you know I would have always loved to see Ghostbusters in theaters and fathom we got to see in theaters that's cool man anyway um, love this movie love the jokes um, and you know R.I.P. to Harold Ramis because mm-hmm. I want to say it was his yeah his, his and Dan Aykroyd's idea mm-hmm. of this movie and they wrote it together and then um, had their buddy uh Ivan Reitman direct it and produce it, um, which I think is so great that they had it was like a friend, like everyone, like everyone's friends, like we're doing this <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I'm about to jump a decade here in Space Jam. Ooh, <laughs> Bill Murray kind of makes a reference to to working with Ivan Reitman because. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember, but you know, def you know, when he shows up for the big basketball game mm-hmm. at the end, you know, Daffy Duck's like, you know, Mister Murray, how did you get here? And he's like, oh, a buddy of mine uh, is producing this, and he's like, oh, so that's how the thinking goes because Ivan Reitman produced uh, Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Ghostbusters. I actually didn't right.
1: know that Ivan Reitman uh, did uh, Space Jam.
0: i I, he was attached to it in some way. Hang on, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh,
1: Well, because Jason, his son, uh, is also a director. He uh, directed Up in the Air, which I really like. nice. Uh, Clones. George Clones. You know Clones?
0: Yeah, he... he, Oh, sorry. Uh, Yes, Ivan Reitman produced Space Jam. That's cool, I didn't know that. 1986. Anyway, back to Ghostbusters. Oh, right, we were talking about Ghostbusters.
1: I love... I mean, it just...
0: (laughs) <laughs> what can I say about this movie that just hasn't been said before, Jeremy? Like,
1: I don't know. I like you know, me personally. I'm, I love Bill Murray, and yeah. I, I love dry senses of humor, and that's Bill. Yeah, in anything. Oh, Bill absolutely. Bill is super dry, and that makes me laugh more than anything. So when he's just like, just saying, "Well, you know, he's a giant. Uh, he's a he's he's a giant uh, navel." Guy, why don't we just get him laid and uh, then he'll just go away <laughs> <laughs> with the with a Stay puff Marshmallow? Like. Uh, he's in the Navy. Why well, don't just get him laid downtown and we
0: we'll, <laughs> we'll get out of here. One one of my favorite lines that he says in the movie it's the it's their first job when they encounter Slimer at the hotel, mm-hmm.
1: which I have Slimer socks by the way. Nice, yeah.
0: Um, and they're you know they're in the ballroom and they're trying to make way to get the uh, the trap set to get Slimer in the trap. <laughs> And Bill comes up to one of the tables and he grabs – I don't know if anyone can hear me crinkling it. He grabs the tablecloth. He's like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. And he flips it out. But everything goes with it. But you can hear in the background, the flowers are still standing. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it cracks my shit up every time I hear it. And I've heard it at least 20 times. And it's still funny every single time. I mean, and, and this movie also has great one-liners, like when they set the trap and they're capturing Slimer, and uh, Dan Aykroyd's like, "Okay, don't look at the trap." And the first thing Harold rainbow says is, "I looked at the trap, Ray," <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so good, and ah, uh, like just like you know, like what you're saying with the dry humor from everyone, even you know Annie Potts, their uh, receptionist. Um, Janine it's so good uh, it's uh, it's just good it's just mm-hmm. it's a good movie like I said shot for shot word for word it is a it's a perfect movie it it should not even though what I'm about to say has already happened it shouldn't be remade uh, <laughs> as many people know it was remade well, not necessarily remade it was reimagined in 2016 um, which I've seen, I've seen the all-female Ghostbuster. And I didn't see it. it's it's not that bad, but it's not Ghostbusters. <laughs> no offense to Kate McKinnon, um, Leslie Jones, uh, um, Melissa McCarthy,
1: and Kristen Wiig. I know Ooh. you. I know you're all listening. Well, hot take: I don't think Leslie Jones is funny. So really, I I'm not really a big fan of her for comedy. I think she just yeah, you know, it's not for me. Her her style of comedy is not for me. Yeah, you know she just she yells and she's loud and well, and people laugh at that. And I just don't think that's enough. And
0: the only problem I had with the hot take the 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 2016 Ghostbusters movie is they shoehorned a lot in. Mm-hmm. You know the cameos from Ernie Hudson, who he just happens to be Leslie Jones's character's grandfather. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Murray's cameo, Dan Aykroyd's cameo. There's they, no
1: way Ernie Hudson is old enough to be Leslie Jones's grandfather because Leslie Jones is... But she's almost 40, right? She, no, no, she's past 40.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they just shoehorned so much in, you know, and like the the quote-unquote after-credits scene where Leslie Jones' character... Yeah, I don't know if you... You said you didn't see it. I didn't see it. So there's an after-credits scene where they're setting up the, like their official base of operations. Oh, yeah, and it it's in the fucking... Uh, firehouse? Firehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Leslie Jones is listening to, I'm assuming, like, white noise. And she pauses for a second. She goes, hey, guys, what's Zool? And that's where it ends. And I was just like, really? <laughs> but all in all, I mean, it, the 2016 was good. I mean, I think all those ladies are hilarious. Yeah,
1: they're great. Um, I, don't I it's
0: feel like that movie got way too much hate than... It deserved. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Ghostbusters shouldn't have been touched to begin with. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, people like were, you know, blaming like the feminist movement because of it, you know, and I thought that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, but Ghostbusters as a whole, the movie itself should not be remade. There should not be another Ivan, you know, um, Egon, uh, you know, Vankman. None of those characters should ever be recast. This movie should stay the way it is. Exactly the way it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, left the hell alone.
1: (laughs) And that's all you have to say about that.
0: That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So, Ghostbusters.
1: Hey, Rain. Hey, what? Do me a favor. Say Ghostbusters is a perfect movie one more time. Ghostbusters... Is a perfect movie. Okay, cool. The reason I asked you to do that <laughs> is because this movie I'm about to talk about has been taught in in film schools, in film analysis classes, in classes I took um, in college for being. A perfect movie.
0: Well, considering I can see your list, I know it's either one of the two that you have left on the list. Oh, that one? Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's also my favorite action movie of all time.
0: Um, and uh, also my wife is not here to uh, defend herself, but um, she claims it is not a Christmas movie. Even though it happens at Christmas.
1: I think she's right, but that's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Die Hard. <laughs> Bruce Willie. Bruce will die hard so <laughs> the reason it's considered to be a perfect movie is it's narrative structure it's narrative structure is nearly yeah. perfect right so I mean from him going to the airport him going to Nakatomi Tower the terrorists coming in mm-hmm. the you know Hans Gruber Hans Grubs Alan Rickman's first movie ever really yeah I know R.I.P. Alan Rickman oh, for sure yeah <laughs> Oh, I love Alan Rickman so much. Anyway, <laughs> first movie ever. Knocks it completely out of the park. Yeah. And, of course, we got ultimate badass Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. John uh, McClane. Hot out the oven from, uh, from Moonlighting. And, of course, his... Uh, I think this was... Before Die Hard, I need to look at my record because I um I have it on vinyl. Man, <laughs> is on. the Return of Bruno, which is his Motown album, which is awesome. Wait, Bruce Willis did a Motown album? Yeah, it's called The Return of Bruno. Oh my god, it's amazing. Anyway, uh,
0: 1987, Return of Bruno.
1: It was before Die Hard, so <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Man's in high demand. All right. Oh my god! I have to. Li- oh
0: my god! I'm looking at the album artwork. I have to listen to this now. Oh, it's amazing.
1: All right, I have the vinyl. Thank you, Kale. It was a Christmas
0: gift one year. <laughs> is it actually okay? Sidebar: Is it actually a good album, or is it just like is it one of those things where he attempted something and it didn't work out?
1: No, no, no. It's not bad. I mean, he. It's it's not bad. It's just <laughs> it's just now that we know who he is. And now it, that he's this giant action star, it's silly. It's hard. It's
0: hard to see him. Well, I'm looking at one review. Um, People Magazine gave the album a B plus while calling Willis's cover of "Under the Boardwalk"
1: surprisingly okay. Surprisingly okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That should be the review of the entire album. The entire album is surprisingly, surprisingly okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Die so, Hard. Die Hard. So my dad, <laughs> my dad is an avid golfer, okay. right? He golfs every, every week. And um, do you know the pattern Argyle? Right? Yes. People wear Argyle sweaters. He has Argyle socks. I have been trying so hard, and maybe you can help try to figure out how to do this. Uh, I've been trying to get him socks <laughs> with the character Argyle from diehard he's the limo huh? driver oh yeah, yeah his name is argyle i was trying to find <laughs> him socks with argyle on it and they're technically argyle socks that's cool thanks anyway, i'm sure you could find it online i mean you can find everything online yeah i guess but i mean it's like what if they're not good you know do i need to make them myself i don't know anyway <laughs> um, knit socks yourself no i mean you know screen prints are like, i don't know Dude, Listen, you'd probably just be better to find them online. Yeah, probably. Anyway, <laughs> um, so what were we talking? About? Die, Die Hard. Hard. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I was just kidding. So Die Hard, <laughs> um, my favorite action movie of all time, probably I would say, mm-hmm. um, because we have an action star that isn't a superhero, meaning he's he just gets, a man. He gets tired. Yep. He gets hurt, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't do everything right all the time. Um, nope. You know, like with him trying to get the gun uh, to to hold his weight in the um, was that the the air ducts, right? Because mm-hmm. he's going down the air ducts, and he he wedges it in, and it doesn't work, right? And you know, him not wearing shoes. You know, Mm -hmm. that that alone (laughs) is a brilliant plot point that he's not wearing shoes. Yeah, because, you know, they eventually notice he's not wearing shoes and shoot the glass. Right. So now he has glass in his feet, which is a scene I still can't watch (laughs) him yanking the glass at his feet. (laughs) You know why? We've all been there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've all hurt the bottom of our feet. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we know exactly what it feels like. Maybe not to that extent, but still. And I also really love the the degradation of his... His tank top? Of his tank top throughout the movie. Because, I mean, it starts <laughs> off as white. It don't end up that way. Nope. Right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, just, I mean, the, the gun taped to his back, the, you know, the... Using the the hose on the roof to uh, to propel himself down from the from the building after the explosion mm-hmm. this movie's got it all man
0: it's got it's got everything
1: it's got the guy who looks like Huey Lewis all right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all right so those of you who know those of you who have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about he's the one of the terrorists and he is watching the reception desk or the the, the security desk mm-hmm. in front of the building and <laughs> he looks like Huey Lewis he's not Huey Lewis but he looks like Huey Lewis hmm. he'll always be referred to as that for <laughs> me. the guy who looks like Huey Lewis um, if you like the Cleveland show they did a Christmas episode um, where they do a parody of Die Hard Um, and it's hilarious. They actually, (laughs) that's what the characters call, they call him Guy Who Looks Like Huey Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty great. Anyway, um, but, you know, if, if I weren't allowed to say that Bruce Willis is why the movie is so good, then it would have to be Alan Rickman.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: You know, his performance is amazing. We... And we don't really hate him that much. You know what I mean? He's, mm-hmm. it's like, he's just so cool. You know, he's, yeah. he's Groob's. charismatic, he's charismatic, he kind of understand what he wants to do. Not so much like now where we get villains or the antagonists where we completely understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the good example would be like Black uh, Black Panther.
0: Yeah, Killmonger.
1: Yeah, we, yeah. we get it. You know, I understand. Yeah. where this antagonist is coming from but sorry man that's not what the movie's called the movie's called Black Panther so you're going down you know what I mean yeah but in this one it's kind of like yeah I got of get it you know what I mean yeah sure <laughs> you know yeah and you know it's let's talk about you saying it's a Christmas movie it's a highly <laughs> debated topic I don't I don't think it is one.
0: you know, I, it's I say it to piss my wife off <laughs> it
1: it is a movie that takes place during the Christmas holiday mm-hmm. right but you could <laughs> argue that it is not a Christmas movie because Christmas is not the the focal point of the movie right it's not part of the narrative really I mean it's it kind of is it just happens to be during Christmas yeah, it just it's 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 Christmas yeah right but you know, stopping these nondescript terrorists, because it's 1988, is um, more important. So it doesn't really have a lot of Christmas value to it. It just happens to be taking place on Christmas. So if you watch it on Christmas or during the Christmas holiday, good for you. I don't care. You know what yeah. I mean? Go I, I tried
0: to get Ashley to for us to watch it during our um, 25 days of Christmas, and she was like, absolutely not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um So, one thing I want to I want to touch on with Die Hard mm-hmm. is I feel like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I but might. I feel like the first Die Hard movie spawned these sequels where they had to they had to up the stakes. You know, because yeah. if you think if you look at it, you know, Die Hard two, he's dealing with
1: you know people. I barely remember anything about Die Hard two. Because yeah, so do I. I didn't like them. I really liked three. Die Hard with Vengeance.
0: Yeah, with a Vengeance. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, which I don't know this from memory. I I literally just looked it up on all the movies. Yeah, so
1: Jeremy Irons is in three.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. Apparently, it kind of goes like this. Um. Uh, so Die Hard. Like high point mm-hmm. and then Die Hard Two a little bit lower. Die Hard with a Vengeance a little bit lower. And then two thousand and six, Live Free or Die Hard? High point. What? One hundred percent. You're
1: out of your mind.
0: No, I am not. <laughs> You're uh, completely out of your mind. Here, I will I will give you the Rotten Tomato scores because they should have um all the Wait, this is how you feel? No 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 no. This is what critics um. think. Which I mean critics don't know. If damn thing. But, okay. So, uh, Die Hard 1. Mm-hmm. 93% certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes. It should be higher than that, but continue. Die Hard 2. 68% fresh. Yeah, that's fine. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Technically, Die Hard 3. N- uh, rotten, 52%. That's ridiculous. Live Free or Die Hard? 2007 certified fresh 82%
1: absolutely insane
0: <laughs> and then the l- one they did you know a few Ooh, years ago the good one, day to die hard
1: that one's really bad Rotten, 15%. Okay, good. That one was really <laughs> bad. Um, um, I saw that one in theaters. But, <laughs> but to, really to
0: your point, yeah, I barely remember anything of the plot of Die Hard 2. No. I just I, know the big thing are, is planes. Yeah. It um, was in, like in an airport or but whatever. But Die Hard with a Vengeance.
1: That one was dope. It was so good. Yeah, that one was
0: dope. Because the no, terrorists are trying to take over the entire city of New York.
1: And they give him... It's a problem-solving movie, mm-hmm. which I like. They're giving him tasks and riddles and stuff, mm-hmm. which I really like. It's, It kind of breaks the mold of the other two. I yeah. would say the second one is sort of... Kind of like a rehash of the first one. Yeah, it's sort of an overlay. You know? Yeah. They, they took um, a clear plastic thing over the script and just... With like an expo marker, said, "Okay, we're going to change that name. We're not going to use Hans Gruber. We're going to use this name. We're going to take Knockout Tower. We're going to put it. It's going to be planes. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's pretty
0: good. But yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I know we're talking about Die Hard, but the one thing that stuck with me from Die Hard with a Vengeance is this one scene where he's in the elevator, mm-hmm. and you know he's been captured, like the first time he's captured." Because he's captured a lot in Die Harder with Vengeance, but he, um, you know, headshots one of the uh, um, guards, and you know this is '95, which is when movie, you know, hyper-violent movies got even more violent, and so you see like the brain matter splatter on Bruce Willis's face, and he's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> like wiping it off like nothing. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Because <laughs> that's just stuck with me that he just because you know he you know he sneaks the gun and then bam gets the guy yeah and you just
1: yeah and he gets on and he's like yeah
0: yeah but no uh, but anyway the point I was making was would you say that because of the stakes from the first Die Hard when they decided to do sequels is when they're like we got to up the ante we got to up the stakes
1: yeah it's the yeah and you know we obviously we see that now with um, action movies like John Wick.
0: No, absolutely.
1: Um, unfortunately, in the third one, we have Halle Berry we have to deal with. You don't like Halle Berry? No. I love
0: Halle Berry. I thought I she did awesome. I thought she held her own against absolutely with not. Keanu Reeves. You're, out
1: of, you're completely out of your mind, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, <laughs> 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 she is a terrible actress, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <we, laughs> She has an Oscar. Okay, I know I keep talking about it. She has an Oscar and she shouldn't have an Oscar. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so stupid because she is not a good actress. She's terrible. Absolutely terrible. I will tell you, I didn't mind the gunfight. That was pretty cool. But her just talking to him on the couch, hated it. Oh, she's mad at him for what? You know what? Shut up up Halle Berry alright how about that how about we quit putting you in movies because it's ruining oh it's ruining my time uh, with John Wick anyway okay I, um, can we go back to time? Die Hard yeah okay uh, <laughs> I love Die Hard okay Um. so should everyone else if you haven't seen Die Hard go for it it's well worth your time I absolutely think the first time I saw it this is embarrassing. This was like only like ten years ago or something like that. Like I haven't, you know, maybe less. I
0: mean, I can't remember the first time I ever saw Die Hard. I'll be honest, um, but I, I but I know what happens. I, I remember everything that happens.
1: Yeah, uh, Die Hard's amazing. Alan Rickman, we miss you. Yes, and Bruce, you can stop making Die Hard's. We're okay.
0: Yeah, and um, <laughs> I'm glad they have shelved the whole idea of making a John McClane origin story movie. Did you hear about that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where it was called like... I don't remember what it was called, but it was supposed to be like before he became a detective. Mm. He was just like a beat cop. And I'm like, oh, so it's going to be a whole movie of him just walking down the street like, hey! Stop running.
1: (laughs) He's not a lifeguard. He's a beat cop. I don't
0: know. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what beat cops do. Apparently. Um, Um, Yeah, they're not lifeguards. (laughs) But anyway... um, (laughs) But I'm glad they shelved that, because no one wanted to see that. I don't know if I'd like that. And it wasn't even going to be, like, anyone who looked like Bruce Willis from what I heard. It was going to be, like, someone else. uh.
1: I mean, it's not even going to be Joseph Gordon-Lovett in the makeup from uh, from Looper. Looper. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be nice. (laughs) How crazy would that be? Anyway, that's a stupid idea. Please don't do that. If you're listening and you have influence in Hollywood, first off, why are you listening to us? There's better people to listen to. And... Don't listen to me. That's a stupid idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, brain, moving on. So, are, what's your next one?
0: My next one, and, you know, we made a joke, but I did really want to talk about this movie. Um, shout out to our uh, number one fan. Uh, this is a big shout out to him. Uh,
1: Joel Schumacher. I can't believe you're going <laughs> to talk about a Joel <laughs> Schumacher movie right now. Um,
0: 1987. Uh, Corey Haim, Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Feldman, Alex Winter, you know, Jason Patrick, Patrick, I probably mispronounced his name. I don't care. Mm. This is The Lost Boys. Lost Boys. um, Which, as you saw, as soon as I told Ashley I was going to talk about this movie, she was like, What? 'Cause uh if my wife is listening and if anyone knows my wife, she absolutely loves The Lost Boys. And I I really enjoy it as well.
1: Yeah. I, I can mean, take it or leave it. I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not a huge fan. I think it's it's too campy for me. Well, maybe I,
0: I'm looking at it and they consider it a comedy horror. Interesting. I don't. I consider it just a horror in general. Um but you know, it's for me. You know, I don't really have, <laughs> it's going to sound weird, I don't really have an obsession with vampires, but I, I'm very interested in the mythology of vampires. <laughs> you know, I, I have the book Bram Stoker's Dracula. I've seen the Francis Ford Coppola movie, uh, which is also called Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> um, yeah. I have seen the the 2000. 2000- 13 um luke evans film dracula untold you know i've seen dracula dead and loving it
1: No, that i like
0: uh <laughs> i mean all kinds of different kind of takes on dracula so it's you know it's a different take on vampires and that's something i really liked about it you know because like yeah now that i mentioned what we do in the shadows you know, I'd I'd never seen a vampire film taking place in the time it was created. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have vampires in the eighties. Yeah. And it's so different. And it's something I really like, you know, you know, and we also had the staples of the eighties. We had the Corys, Corey Ham, Corey Feldman.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe my least favorite part about the movie is that we have both Corys. I think it, it ruins the movie for us.
0: <laughs> But, you know, you have Kiefer Sutherland as the leader of this vampire group, um, David. Um, you have Alex Winter, um, you know, Bill from Bill and Ted, who that's who I knew him as. And uh, when he dies, I was like, oh, no, Bill, even no. though his character's name is Marco. But when the first time I ever saw Lost Boys, I was like, no, they killed Bill. (laughs) Um, But it's also, you know, the thing with the movie that I really liked is it's 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 kind of like this retelling of Dracula, but in a different way, Mm -hmm. because, you know, like um, David Kiefer Sutherland gives the older brother, Michael, his blood, Mm -hmm. you know, even tells him it's my blood, but he doesn't believe him. And that's what turns Michael into a vampire, uh, which is, you know, something that Dracula did to Jonathan Harker's wife. I don't remember her name. That's okay. Um, But from from Dracula. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I enjoy it, you know. And I'll be honest, (laughs) I never knew it was a Joel Schumacher movie until you told me and I was like, ah. (laughs) <laughs> cool. I'm going to have to talk about this at some point. Oh,
1: boy. I mean, our Joel. number one fan.
0: I know he's listening.
1: Yeah, he is. He has to be. Um,
0: Joel Schumacher. And you still haven't given me the okay to use your face on a t shirt.
1: Like anyone would ever buy a t shirt <laughs> from our nonsense. But um, I'll tell you, my dad really likes this movie. Yeah. He likes it a lot. And I don't really, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I do want to say that. The scene in the movie, what we do in the shadows, where they reference Lost Boys, was very funny. Where they they're like, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Do you like your puschetti Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you're eating worms, you know. And it's uh, the I like that they kept saying puschetti. Yeah, uh, they made laugh. <laughs> Yeah, puschetti <laughs> You like your <laughs> busketi?
0: We offered them plate of puschetti Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, you know,
0: because that's when he's eating. They're, yeah. they're having Chinese. Yeah, and they're they're fucking with Michael. And he's like, dude, like you're eating maggots, and he looks down. And which is something I'm, gl- I'm glad they didn't do it for what we do in the shadows, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in the Lost Boys, he looks down and we see maggots, yeah, we see the maggots and yeah. then he drops it, and they're like, "Dude, it's it's just rice,
1: man. Like, where are you? Like, what do?" I just love that the the vampires and what we do in the shadows is like we got the idea from the Lost Boys,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I put a little twist on it. <laughs> How does it feel to have a snake for a penis? <laughs> I fucking love what we do in the shadows. Yeah. I'm so glad uh, – sidebar, I'm so glad Taika Waititi is doing another Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. That's ugh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Which, I'll be honest, it does sound like a porn. Someone said that and I'm like, oh, man, it does sound like a porn. Maybe it will be. <laughs> I mean, um, Natalie Portman's back. Oh, cool. But anyway. Right. Um, but the movie – I mean, the movie's really enjoyable. I mean, and it's – again – like I said, it, it, it has all this mythology, the mythology that we know of vampires, but in a new way, like, you know, the guard dogs, mm-hmm. you know, vampires, you know, use their hypnosis on these guard dogs to keep them safe during the day. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they, they, they trigger the, the, these dogs aggression. And so the, a dog is overly aggressive, you know, like when the mom gets attacked by, um, uh, she starts dating <sighs> shit I don't know his name I just know uh, he he played um, Richie Rich's dad in Richie Rich that's hilarious I don't remember who <laughs> I don't, <names> either. <laughs> I don't <know. laughs>
1: Um you know what come to think of it I don't like it. I've ever seen Richie Rich so you, oh, dude oh whatever who cares
0: dude Macaulay Culkin before he got crazy correction before he got crazy and then was no longer crazy anymore yeah I don't think he's
1: crazy anymore but
0: um, anyway uh, I love the movie I really enjoy it It's. I remember the first time I ever watched it I um, uh, was so traumatized I couldn't touch it <laughs> literally I could not touch the movie like we had it my mom had it on DVD and whenever I needed to get a DVD and it was near, I would literally use another DVD to swat the Lost Boys out of the way <laughs> so I could get to my movie. That's really weird. And then fi- <laughs> well, finally one day, I, I believe if I remember, I, I, might, I may be misremembering, but I, I sucked it up. I was I'm going to watch this movie again and I'm not going to get scared. And then after that, I enjoyed the movie because I realized it wasn't real. And because Joel does a lot of really cool things um, in the movie, like all the overhead shots, mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to symbolize them flying yeah, no, and we're seeing it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie is also very creepy. That's why I don't consider it a comedy horror mm-hmm. because of, you know, the, the, you know, the, the singing of, of these kids singing the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. you know, very creepy film. Um, and also the name has a creepy spin to it because the name is a reference to the Lost Boys from Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they Joel's adding the spin to vampires, you know,
1: and it's... Right, they're vampires, therefore they never grow old, right? They never grow up. Yeah, like Lost Boys. Like Lost Boys, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah it's...
0: Uh, you it's know what I wish th- they would have
1: done? What? So, um, a new trend in vampire movies, which I really, really like, is, and I've seen it in like Only Lovers Left Alive, mm-hmm. which is a Jim Jermush uh, film with... Um, was his face he's Loki and uh, Tom us, yeah and uh, told us when in John hurt before he died um is since they live forever uh-huh. they're really smart and so
0: yeah because they, they their
1: their intelligence is incredible and so in only lovers left alive I mean, He's an expert on music. He's an expert on everything, right? And so anytime something breaks in his house, he can just go fix it because he knows how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knows how to rewire the electricity on his house. He knows how to, you know, do stuff on the computer. He knows about everything because mm-hmm. he's been alive so long. It's it's a new thing they're doing with um, vampire movies, which I really like. But, you know, I, I guess that's sort of a, you know... That would be a way I would like this movie more is if, you know, these punk um, vampires were, like, super smart, too. Yeah. Because they've been alive so long. Yeah. Yeah, because,
0: you know, because they have the—and I'm going to use a supernatural term. They have the alpha in the movie. Mm -hmm. And you can definitely tell he's been a vampire much longer than everyone else. Um, Yeah, I feel like that would have added a little bit more— to those characters. Like I they, said,
1: they've only been doing it for, you know, just a few years, like maybe eight years or something like that. Well, well Joel, why didn't you get in the forefront? I agree. Um, <laughs> I, Joel, buddy, uh, you dropped the ball.
0: <laughs> you
1: dropped the ball
0: uh, 32 years ago. Yeah. Well, Time travel and do it again.
1: Nah, don't do that.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, The Lost Boys. Uh, it's, it's definitely... It's definitely uh, worth a lot uh, a watch, in my opinion. You think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was at the tail end of the '80s, '87. You know, so, yeah, you know, three years later, and no one really cared anymore because then Kiefer Sutherland started doing other stuff.
1: Yeah, I really like Kiefer Sutherland.
0: Yeah, a lot. I think he's great you know and he's been acting in America for so long he's lost his accent because he's uh, Australian I think
1: (laughs) I did not know that
0: Uh, British Canadian but he doesn't have an accent anymore because he's been acting in America for so long interesting Uh, you can't even tell anyway Uh, Lost Boys
1: Lost Boys Uh, let me let's end the Lost Boys with a trivia question for you Rain okay Um, Joel Schumacher has directed him in another movie which one was it? What? Keeper for someone.
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, man. Give me a second.
1: Yeah, take ha- your time.
0: Hang on, hang on, because I'm not going
1: to look it up. Good for you. Good for you, Rain. I'm trying to... For the listeners, the difference between he and I is I have a pad of paper in front of me, and he has his computer in front of him. <laughs>
0: um, trying to, I'm trying to, like, go through... Keeper in this catalog. Oh wow, that'll take you a while.
1: Yeah, you're faster to go through Schumachers.
0: Well, I don't know. Sh- obviously, as I just said, I didn't know Schumacher even did the last Oh, Lost that's a good Boys.
1: point. Yeah, you're right. Uh, just go ahead and tell me. Phone booth. He was the. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I
0: forgot that Keeper Sullivan was in that. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was fat in that one, right?
1: Oh, I don't know if he was fat, but you know, he because he's barely in. You barely see him in the movie at all. Um, because it's mostly over the phone. Right, 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 right. Cool,
0: cool, 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 cool.
1: All right, buddy, your your final movie. Yeah.
0: Which is a good. one. It's a big one. Definitely, I would definitely say, a yeah, a big one. This
1: is this is a super super important one.
0: Absolutely, I don't think if this movie ever would have been made, we probably wouldn't
1: have got the superhero movies that we have now. I agree, and ladies and gentlemen it is Tim Burton's Batman
0: absolutely
1: 1989 whoo right under the wire so without this movie because I rewatched part of it the other day
0: I've got it on I've got it on 4k
1: because I hadn't seen it in so long um so I I always used to tell people you know without this I wouldn't have my favorite animated series of all time which is Batman the animated series Mm -hmm. um which we both have the full series, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know they're, yeah. Uh, sidebar, you know they're uh, doing that with uh, Batman Beyond.
1: Yeah, but that one I don't like as much. Ah. Um, <laughs> disappointing you at every turn I can. Um, it invigorates me. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so rewatching the movie, even the score is the same. So mm-hmm. they took the the dark element. Of Batman because Batman hadn't been that dark before.
0: Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah, because we had Adam West's uh, purple and gray Batman. Yeah,
1: and you know, and we, very campy. Even, the, even the cartoon series in the seventies and they they weren't they weren't as dark. No, and so with Tim Burton, if you know who Tim Burton is, yeah. you understand. I don't know if he knows how to do anything else. So he, he just can knows only, how to
0: make dark movies. Yeah,
1: he only knows how to do that. So which is fine. Um,
0: well. We should point out, uh, not only uh, in tone, but in lighting as well. Right,
1: in cinematography as well, it's dark. Um, So there's a lot of things I love about this movie. Number one is Michael Keaton. I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. Uh, This is right after Beetlejuice. Is it? Mm Mm-hmm. Beetlejuice was 88. Ah. Yeah, that's right. I came prepared. Mm -hmm. But Batman Returns came out in... 92. Ninety-one.
0: Okay, my time frame is off then.
1: Mm. Continue. Okay, great. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so Batman. So, um, there's a lot of things I love about this movie. Of course, one of them being Michael Keaton, which is you know he's fantastic and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim Basinger is really great in Vicky this. Bale. And of course, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. So Jack Nicholson. The the reason. Stephen King didn't like him as Jack is the reason he's perfect for the Joker mm-hmm. is that Jack Nicholson doesn't dial down the crazy he just escalates it right? right so in The Shining he starts off crazy and just gets way more crazy and that's what <laughs> that's what he is in Batman he starts off crazy and just mm-hmm. dials it to 11 mm-hmm. uh, when he is
0: the Joker, Joker yeah. Cause they, cause you know, they give him a not really a retcon origin, but they give him a name. Cause you know, yeah. In the comics, we we don't know he's just Joker, right? And so with this one, he's Jack. Oh shit! I don't know. It's Jack like, something.
1: It's like the fifth movie.
0: He's a is Jack. Jack. Yeah. And his his name is Jack. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's Jack, and he he's part of the this gang. He's like the right hand man.
1: Yeah, and falls in a pit of something and, acid, yeah. and now his face is white, and he's got a for something happened to his face. I don't remember. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I guess he must have like clipped his face on the way down because then they had to do that surgery or whatever. But um, well, uh, so I had to
0: I had to look this up. So the whole thing of him falling into a bat, mm. and becoming the Joker comes from a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite graphic novels of uh, from DC, uh, Batman The Killing Joke. Okay. Which...
1: I didn't realize that was the origin in The Killing Joke. I didn't
0: realize uh, that. it. Because I had to look it up because it came out in 88. Interesting. So Tim used some of this mm-hmm. for his Joker. Um, the only thing he changed is in The Killing Joke. I don't know if you've ever read it. No. It's a good, very quick read. I saw the... The movie? Yeah. The movie doesn't do it justice. I didn't think so. The... The, the first 30 minutes literally plays out like – at least tries to play out like a Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm. episode. And then the rest of it, shot for shot, is exactly like the book. Oh, okay, cool. They had to fill that extra time. I see. So, like, we'll have Barbara have sex with Batman. Yeah. Rated R.
1: <laughs> um, oh, that's right. Because that's – That was a big Because that's not at all in and, the book. And Kevin Conroy came back – uh, for the voice of Batman and, and so Mark, Mark Hamill is the yeah. Joker. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so yeah. that's
1: why they wanted it to play like a animated series episode is because these two guys are back and yeah. might as well.
0: But, um, but yeah, so, um, cause that's what they do in the killing joke is he falls into a vat and when he sees his face after he gets out, it drives him crazy, mm-hmm. which is what we see
1: in Batman. In, in Batman. Yes. um, more things I like about it. Number one, obviously, was it gave us Batman the Animated Series and the rest is history there because that's, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I bet you that's what kicked off, you know, Christopher Nolan being like, let's let's do dark, but let's do real. Let to mm-hmm. go. Right? Um, and pfft, then we have the, the Dark Knight trilogy, which is amazing.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, what came after that? Who cares? Um, <laughs> maybe the Robert Pattinson one will be really good. We'll see. Well, considering, I considering mean, we have a few years from uh, now. But.
0: Well, and considering that is supposed to be based on year one Batman, mm-hmm. so very young Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a very young person. Should be good.
1: Anyway. Anyway. So what it also does is Tim Burton uses a lot of really cool sort of um, – really old hollywood tricks mm-hmm. uh with with batman it, with his batman movies i really dug that you just feel like everything's inside even though they're outside mm-hmm. right there always seems to be a ceiling almost like you could you could almost like if you would just pan the camera up to this guy it's a ceiling right yeah. it, it always feels like gotham is it's own little world and that there's a dome over Gotham right yeah. and so the reason it feels that way is probably because it is inside um, <laughs> but not not only that is he does these really cool matte paintings that are the background mm-hmm. and um, but does a little animation over part of it so, like having smoke come out of the smokestacks in the background, right? So where that's moving, but it's obviously a matte painting, mm-hmm. right? That I really, really like because that's that's old Hollywood. That's that's old. That's that's a good trick, an old trick, um, that makes it look like oh, that the city goes on forever, right? Right. Um, which I which I really appreciated, um, and you know, I, I you know. I just really like that they used Michael Keaton, because Michael Keaton himself doesn't look like a superhero, which is perfect, because
0: mm-hmm.
1: Bruce Wayne's not supposed to look like a superhero. Yeah. But, I don't know, man. I just love Batman so much. So This uh, one's so good. So, I, I love Tim Burton,
0: period. Um, Do
1: you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say period, for me.
1: Period. I love no, Tim Burton. Absolutely I, not. I He's have made so many mistakes. Go ahead. Most <laughs>
0: of his movie, well the important I wouldn't say the important ones but the ones that everyone knows I have so I have Batman, Batman Returns I have Beetlejuice mm-hmm. I have Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. and I have oh fuck I had it, it was right there shit uh, hang on, hang on, give me a second give me a second, it's, time. it's right there on the tip of my tongue
1: uh, does he have regular hands? Huh? Does he have regular hands? What do you mean? Oh, Edward's scissor
0: hands. Yeah, I have that. Um, technically, also, I have Corpse Bride. Tim Burton wrote that, but he didn't direct it. Same with uh,
1: Nightmare.
0: Nightmare. He wrote it, but he didn't direct it. But it's still his. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, something yeah. that you mentioned to me yeah. when we did The House That Jack Built. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the House Jack you said that. Another, you said know, that. Let's do I another said,
1: episode of The House of Jack Built. <laughs> Just go ahead. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, I asked you if, you know, it was you know, it's a horror movie, and you said, "Well, Lars von Cher doesn't consider it a horror. Well, he he did, he considers he didn't make a horror movie with it."
1: Right. right. Well, I mean, that was with um, Antichrist. Antichrist. Oh, okay. He felt like he had failed to make a horror movie. The same where he thought that he had failed to make a musical with Dancer in the Dark. It's his confidence isn't there. So Tim Burton.
0: Uh, has openly said that he didn't feel like he made the movie that he wanted to mm-hmm. with the first Batman movie. Which you can kind of see remnants of a version that we didn't get. Mm-hmm. Or a version that was heavily changed. Because there are a few scenes where I'm like, oof, that's really hard to watch. Because the movie is... It's a very slow it is super mo- uh, superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And it's very long. <laughs> So slow and long combined, the movie feels like it goes on forever. But it's still a very enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, if he never made this movie, we wouldn't have gotten everything we have now. Right. Because at that time, you know, all the superhero movies that had been made and TV shows that had been made were very campy and very...
1: Yeah, now back to Mr. Schumacher <laughs> kind of... Um, <laughs> I think set him back a little bit because he went back to the whole camp no,
0: no, I think no, no. he
1: he kept the dark cinematography and he kept you know but that's all I, I was trying to think of more examples hey, so, of stuff he kept but yeah. like, that's
0: it so cause like cause Tim what Tim wanted to do is he wanted to take Batman back to the comics, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, Adam West was very campy and very bright, Mm -hmm. you know. Caesar Romero refused to shave his mustache as the Joker, so they just painted over it. Yeah. Um, And Tim was like, fuck that. He's like, "The Batman is a dark character. That's how it should be. It should be gritty. It should be dark. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, that's what also bit him in the ass, because after he did Batman Returns,
1: which I also really like. By Batman the
0: Returns is, the, in my opinion, the better of his movies because mm-hmm. it's so good, yeah, it's so good. Um, but Warner was like, "Hey, we want to sell toys, <laughs> and we can't sell toys of your movies because they're too." It's hard
1: to sell a Danny DeVito penguin toy, penguin toy yeah.
0: or or you know his 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 duck, his rubber duck
1: thing. Yeah.
0: So that's when they asked him, you know, for the because Tim was gonna work on another Batman movie. Mm -hmm. But Warner was like, you know, can you just produce this one? We're gonna bring in someone else. And Tim, Tim being the great guy that he is, was like, if that's what you feel like you need to do, then I'm more than happy to produce this next movie and have someone else direct it. Enter our number one fan (laughs) who decided we need bright colors. We need anatomically correct bat suits and bat nipples because they're supposed to be Greek gods and that's when we get Batman Forever.
1: I mean... (sighs) Which,
0: in my opinion, was the last good Batman movie of the 90s because then that followed up with Batman and Robin which is hot... Garbage, yeah. Which I'm, I can say that because my wife's not here because she loves that one and she hates Batman Forever. That's,
1: that's absolutely insane,
0: right? <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. I know you. I I mean, I'm sure you don't listen, but does
1: she not listen to the show either? <laughs>
0: neither do I, Ash. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I would agree, Joel. You kind of you kind of took what Tim was building and
1: tore it down. Yeah, and. I get it. I get where the studio was coming from as well, because it is hard to market. But, I mean, but they're also wrong, and here's why they're wrong. Yeah. is studios are always wrong. (laughs) Here's why they were wrong at the time. Because in 1988, 1989, Mm -hmm. before the movie was released, people would go to a movie, buy a ticket, just to see the trailer. All right? So, what Tim Burton did, which was so amazing and such a remarkable feat of marketing those words were too close together anyway um, is he would a year before the movie came out bought you know these giant billboards with just the logo on it
0: yeah just just so
1: people would see it and be like what's that it's the Batman symbol but why mm -hmm. you know and once the trailer started coming out and being shown before movies, people would just buy a ticket just for any movie just because they knew the Batman trailer would be there. And then they'd leave. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. you know, before YouTube, before they can just hop on the Internet and watch the trailer. Yeah, let go to IMDb. They have – they had to go see it at the theater.
0: That's insane. Like,
1: I want to go see the trailer again. Let's go buy a ticket to whatever the hell. You know, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's
0: watch it. Right. Oh, this is Nightmare on Elm Street 6? Oh, I don't don't care. I just want to see the Batman trailer. Oh, yeah, I don't give
1: a shit. Uh, Is the Batman trailer in front of this? Okay, great. Yeah, one, (laughs) please. You know? Um, And so... (sighs) Studio's wrong because people were needing a dark, gritty Batman. Exactly.
0: And Tim gave us two movies across... So you said Batman 89...
1: Batman's 89,
0: yeah. And Return
1: 82? Uh,
0: 91, I think. Uh, Hang on. Hang on. Again, I have both of these movies on 4K. What if I was right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Batman Returns 82. You were right the first time. 92. 92. I was right the first time. I time traveled. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, because, you know, because when the studio, when Warner stepped in and was like, well, we want to sell toys, you know, it was very you know me and ashley watched the special features of batman for uh, batman and robin and chris o'donnell it, you know because they were showing the back behind the scenes like 6 years after the movie had already come out and chris mm-hmm. o'donnell had nothing but terrible things to say he was like, don't get me wrong. He was like, don't get me wrong. I had a great time with my cast. I had so much fun with George and Alicia. He was oh, like, but, I love Alicia Silverstone. He was like, but I thought we were making a toy commercial. He yeah. was like, and even Joel Schumacher, I think it's the only time I'll defend him. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. Um, is he was like, you know, and I'm pretty sure I said it on mic. Uh, he said, you know, this is the only time I've ever before and since use the term it has to be more toy-rific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like I've and he Joel has apparently openly apologized to people I'm, I don't think to this day because most people who had seen this movie probably don't care any you know 20 years later. I mean, I don't. But and I even know George Clooney was very yeah. <laughs> um, apologetic because they wanted they they didn't want his Bruce to be as you know, like Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer, so brooding and so. Well, I mean, Michael Keaton's character wasn't. Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne wasn't very brooding, but. No, no, really. He was more mysterious. Mm-hmm. And then Val Kilmer's was more brooding and, oh, I have all this trauma. And then George Clooney was like, hey, I'm the fun Batman. <laughs> What's up?
1: I'm Bruce. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: And it just. Yeah. And, you know, again, we we've gone on like a huge huge Batman tangent but yeah but again you know these I, I feel like you know if we wouldn't have gotten tim burton's batman and then batman returns we wouldn't have seen how not to do Batman with <laughs> Batman Forever and Batman and Robin.
1: Yeah. Um, Chris O'Donnell probably doesn't mind he was in Batman Forever. He no, just doesn't like, like Batman and Robin.
0: Like I said, Batman Forever was the last good one of the 90s. And then, oh, God. And we got Batman Forever. I told So I'm going to say this story on mic. Um, so I have Batman, Batman Returns, and Batman Forever on 4K and I hadn't had a chance to watch them, so I started watching it, and me and Ashley had a marathon. Mm-hmm. So we finished Batman Forever, and I'm like, all right, that's it. And she was like, uh, are we not going to keep going? I was like, well, I didn't buy Batman and Robin, because that movie's trash. Yeah. The movie's and she was long. like, well, we have to finish this. I was like, no, absolutely <laughs> like, not. Hmm, wrong. And so as kind of a spite, I bought it digitally. <laughs> I was like, fine, I will buy this garbage of a
1: movie can't believe you bought it in the first place
0: but I bought it digitally I'm not gonna physically own it I made that mistake with Justice League (laughs) (laughs) did I just say that out loud
1: Um, (laughs) I guess I I just want to end with um, Batman 1989 Tim Burns Batman super 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 important to the Batman franchise super important to the reason I even know who Batman is because with the animated series Uh in the 90s that's that was everything to me I loved it so much I love it to this day I can still pop in an episode and it holds up oh
0: yeah um, even
1: the, the movie Mask of the Phantasm oh
0: dude um, we could do a whole episode about that I got watch, so much to say about Roger that Roger
1: Ebert was like that was really good like don't think of it as like a cartoon for children this is a good movie did this you is know
0: yeah. they, uh, they didn't They weren't originally going to do a theatrical release. Right. So it had a really shitty theatrical release because at the last minute, Warner was like, no, no, no. We want to get it out in theaters. And they were like, well, fuck. Yeah. Like, we just finished the movie because we didn't think we were going to do a theatrical release. But it's still great.
1: Well, Roger Ebert, you know, famed movie critic, um, one of my favorite movie critics, um, loved it. He was like, man, this is a good superhero movie don't think of it like a cartoon nah. for children no, yeah. this is a good movie you know and so without Tim Burns we wouldn't have it
0: yeah and um, one thing I want to leave on before we move on to the final movie uh, you know and also if Warner wouldn't have asked him to step down we wouldn't have gotten hit, we wouldn't have heard about his attempt to do Superman, Superman. <laughs> that's right I would have loved to see Nick Cage as Superman did there's, you,
1: a, there's a documentary out did there. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy.
0: It's great. Yeah. It, it's so crazy that they went through three writers, right? Because Kevin Smith wrote a script. Mm-hmm. They didn't like it.
1: No, no, they were going to use it, but then they're like, uh, "Well, that the guy who was producing it was out of his mind, and he's the reason <laughs> we have um, Wild Wild West." The 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 one that Barry Sonnenfeld did, or uh, the show. No, not the show. The, the one with Will Smith? Yeah. Holy fuck. And he finally got his giant spider because that's what he wanted. <gasps> that's right. Yeah, because that's what he wanted in the end of Superman. They
0: were, they were, they, they <laughs> were starting like, what? production <laughs> of Wild Wild West while they were still pre-production of the Superman Lives.
1: Yeah, and so he's like, well, why don't we just put a giant spider in it? And Kevin Smith's like, well, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, and why? Why aren't there people where at his fortress? He goes, because it's the fortress of, of solitude. Like what? It's so it's insane. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's great. Um, and would have been a cool movie, I think. Yeah. I mean, Nick Cage's out of his mind, but I would like to see that. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so final movie. Uh, we know um, me and Jeremy promised each other that we wouldn't. Uh, we would stay on topic, and we kind of went off on a whole tangent about Batman, but. I feel like it was well versed people need to know that yeah I agree so final movie of our blockbusters for the 80s um and Jeremy kind of hinted at it it is the first movie of a franchise 1981 directed by Steven Spielberg and produced by the man George Lucas and written by one of my favorite Star Wars writers Lawrence Kasdan and that is, and this is the actual title, if people say I'm wrong, I'm gonna slap them, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, it wasn't, the, the home release is now called Indiana Jones and, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the movie is actually called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I had to get that out.
1: <laughs> hey, Rain. Oh, God. You- <laughs> hey, um... Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Would you say
0: <laughs> I already know where this question's going. No, you don't.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Because I wasn't even going to mention that Temple of Doom is garbage and that oh uh, Last Crusade is amazing. We're, we're not going to do this. Cuz we're just talking mind. about the first one. We're just <laughs> talking Raiders, man. We're talking Raiders. Um what's what's Indy's beef with the Nazis? Dude, I'm just kidding. It's those damn Nazis, those bro. It's those damn Nazis, bro, because, like, they're trying to, like, I don't know, something with the Ark? I don't really remember. Wait, go the, for it. They, <laughs> yeah, they never really say,
0: and <laughs> we're not um, we're not defending the Nazis here at all, but they never say why the Nazis want the Ark to begin with. They just, they just want the Ark of the Covenant. I guess. I mean, we will you? I mean, I mean it melts people's faces off, but it's the same thing with uh the the uh the uh, the Book of Eli, you know, uh Gary Olden's gotta have that Bible. Yeah, he does. But why? Uh,
1: I mean, because he wants to use it to manipulate uh the, the people around him so he can remain head of the society. That I remember.
0: A society that's already crumbling?
1: Yeah, but he wants to um he wants to rule over them and use the Bible as his text to manipulate the people, saying, you know, like, well, I have the answers here. You know what I mean? That's what Gary Oldman wanted. Yeah. And welcome back to the Book of Eli podcast. Rain, continue with <laughs> Um
0: But no, man, so, you know, 1979, we got Star
1: Wars from George Lucas. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was 77, but continue. Oh, fuck me, man. It's okay. Even I knew that.
0: You know, and from a non-Star Wars fan to a diehard Star Wars fan. Yeah. Dude, I'm going to get fucking blasted in the comments. Bro, like, comments. Do we comments?
1: Get comments. <laughs> no. Um, I a shit about this.
0: Anyway, okay. So 1977, Star Wars, George Lucas. Uh, did you know why he didn't want to cast Harrison Ford as Han Solo? Sidebar. Uh, no, I no. don't because they just did American Graffiti together. Mm, that's right. And he didn't want to use Harrison twice in two different movies. Jesus Christ, I am sorry, everyone. My fucking watch is going off like crazy. <laughs> My smartwatch. Um, oh, anyway, so he didn't, smart watch, huh, he didn't want to use Harrison in the same, in, in, in right after he just did another movie. Um, so originally, he, all he asked Harrison to come in and do just read dialogue he's like you know we're doing auditions for my next movie I just need you to come in and read dialogue and Harrison's like yeah I can do that but he did such a good job because it's Harrison Ford mm-hmm. that George was like you have to be Han Solo Yeah, you have to be and you know and the rest is history four years later um, Lawrence Kasdan who wrote again like I said my favorite Star Wars film uh, Empire Strikes Back Which, ah, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm pretty sure that came out in... Oh, fuck! Uh, 1980. Thank God. And I was looking it up the whole time. Um, 1980. Best Star Wars movie. um, Fight Me. Because that is the best Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, No offense to J.J. Abrams. Hey, man,
1: you're getting really angry at no one because I'm not going (laughs) to argue with you. I don't care.
0: Um, But then we have, you know, a year later... Lawrence Kasdan writes uh, this character of Indiana Jones and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas both agree Harrison Ford has to be this character. And the rest is history because Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Uh, No one else could have been Indiana Jones because I don't think anyone could have played Indiana Jones the way Harrison plays Indiana Jones. Yeah, I've been saying Indiana Jones a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, with Indiana Jones, (laughs) Uh, thanks. So, my favorite character trait is something I really identify with, and it's just do what's easier, don't work smarter, not harder. So when that guy, I'm assuming
0: you're talking. I know. Yeah. So when
1: that guy's got that sword, and he's
0: doing all his cool tricks. Oh, that
1: poor guy, man. He he. Practiced forever, dude. For He, like, trained and practiced for months. <laughs> and then Harrison just goes... Well, I mean, I'd go- probably just shoot him. <laughs> well, and you know why? Because uh, he was sick.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, he uh, I think it was like he had, fe- uh, like, a, uh, like, a fever stroke. And I think he had contracted something while they were filming in... God knows where. God, yeah. Um, and so Harrison yeah. was like, well, wouldn't it be... Okay, I'll let you. You brought I mean, it up. I'll let you take. Work
1: smarter, not harder. So that guy just shows up with his, you know, like looks like a Saudi Arabia sort of like sword or whatever, yeah. and you know starts flipping it around and you know taunting him with it and like let's go. And then Harrison, you know, Andy just grabs his gun and shoots him and he just walks on. <laughs> you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, work smarter, not harder. I, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that to me is Indiana Jones. That's. If you want to know what's Indiana Jones like, that's what you need. That's it. And he, then you got it. He he brings a gun to a sword fight. That's right. Um,
0: but yeah, no, it's because he was tired. Because apparently they had like this whole like action yeah. sequence planned and you know, and Harrison was just tired and he wasn't feeling good. And he was like, Well, wouldn't it be more in character if I just pulled out my gun and shot him? Yeah. And they loved it and Yeah, like that's, that's hilarious. Insane. Okay. Um <laughs> uh, which I yeah, was, poor, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because the movie has a lot of funny parts in it that mm. you wouldn't suspect for a action adventure film, mm. um, but it's great. It's, it is. Great. It is so. It, it is. Uh, I mean, it's so good. It's so. It, it is. It is one of my favorite franchises besides Star Wars. Um, and Harrison Ford is in both. I mean, That's right. except for the prequels uh, of. Star Wars.
1: Do you believe that or do you like the the theory that this is uh, Harrison Ford's like hallucination while in carbonite?
0: I so I found that out. I found that I heard about that theory like um I want to say it was when I had Alex on the podcast and we were talking about Star Wars. I want to say he brought that up. And I believe that was the first time I ever heard it. Oh, interesting. Um, But it is a pretty cool theory. It's cool, Because, you know, George Lucas, obviously attached to both. Um, Spielberg also really guided George with Star Wars. You know, Spielberg never produced anything, but he really guided George on what he thinks, you know, like, well, you know, if this is what your character should be doing, then, you know, maybe go this way. And coincidentally, uh, George Lucas was so convinced that uh, Star Wars and New Hope was gonna flop that he and Spielberg went to fucking Hawaii with the rest of the budget, yeah. which is shocking because they went over budget. But yeah, they they were like, We don't want to go to the premiere. This movie's gonna tank. Let's go, let's go do something fun. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the movie did amazingly. Anyway. A little Star Wars trivia for you.
1: And some more trivia for you is that do you think it helps or hurts the theory that, uh, I mean, it's a stupid theory anyway, but I think it's fun. Um, as someone who doesn't really like Star Wars that <laughs> much, um, that in in Raiders, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a scene where they're in this, I don't know, mausoleum, tomb, whatever, in uh-huh. like Egypt or whatever, and one of the hieroglyphs in the background is of C three PO and R two D two, ah, yeah, uh, is in one of the hieroglyphs. Of course, George Lucas saying, "Look at Star Wars," you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because especially
0: because Empire had come out a year before. Yeah, it's like, I remember I did that. Do you remember?
1: You know, he's like, "Yeah, George, I got it." There's another one coming. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell anybody. So, um, <laughs> and I think I think it is in, is in it? Raiders. Yeah. Is it in the scene yeah, where he's, he's opening a tomb? I think. Oh
0: shit! Well, I'm going to rewatch Raiders now. Okay. More than likely, probably when when uh, we end this, I'm going to rewatch Raiders. Okay. Because I mean, that's the other thing great that I love about the movie is that you can just its rewatchability is so <clears throat> fantastic that it you, there's never a boring moment with Raiders. Well, with the Indiana Jones series as a whole, except for. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
1: We're not yeah, talk about I don't that. count that one. But uh, um, now, with um, with you know, my dad really wanting me to watch the thing, it was my mom who really wanted me to watch Raiders. Okay. And I think it was in high school or something. And she was like, "Jeremy, get over here now." You know how my mom talks. <laughs> yes. And not like that. She's really sweet. Anyway. I was like, "Yes." She goes, get over here." And I was like, "What? Did I do something wrong?" And she goes, "We're going to watch Raiders." And I was like, "Oh no, that's okay," <laughs> you know. And like, she was like, "What is that? I don't want to watch that." She was like, "Sit down." I was like, "All right." So we watched Raiders. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, did it? Did it make you want to get a whip and a hat? I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, it made me want to get that cool jacket. I've
0: I've just always wanted his hat. Like, it's I don't cool hat. I don't care for the whip. I want the hat.
1: Yeah, it's a cool hat. Um, it definitely. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm thinking of the the line in the Santa Claus where it, he's talking about, um, like, the sash or whatever. He goes, oh, this really completes the ensemble. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I really love that movie.
0: Anyway. Dude, I love the Santa Claus. Welcome back to the, uh, the Santa Claus podcast. Yeah,
1: so I think that hat really completes the ensemble.
0: <laughs> well, funny. I mean, it does. I mean, without the hat, um, I mean, yeah, he's an archaeologist, but without the hat, he's, he's just... Is just a dude yeah, you with the can win. get
1: rid of the jacket and it's okay.
0: Yeah, which isn't is wear it
1: all the time. Which is
0: you know well, that's what they do in Temple of Doom. Yeah. He only has his hat because his uh I think he loses the jacket. Yeah. Even though I know you don't like Temple of Doom, but Temple of no. Doom is a prequel to Raiders. <laughs> um, I knew that. And I didn't realize that until I rewatched Temple of Doom because I was like, why isn't why why isn't he talking about Anything that happened in Raiders, yeah, like where's where's uh his his girlfriend, you know where's uh where's fucking Marion, mm-hmm. and it's because so this one takes place in eight, uh, 36, 1936. Mm-hmm. um, the uh the next movie Temple of Doom I believe is in. Like
1: 34 or 30, Oh,
0: yeah. I think eighty three. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It's 30, I think it's 34.
1: It's actually my mom that uh, really, um, fueled, 35 really fueled my, um, my dislike for Temple of Doom, by the way. She goes, Why? and both my parents actually, yeah, you Temple can skip Temple of Doom. That was so <gasps> <though. laughs>
0: like, okay, okay. Since we're on Raiders, and technically, Temple Doom. I would also consider a blockbuster, and it was also in the 80s, Mm -hmm. four years later. Um, The reason why Temple of Doom is so good... Oh, boy, here we go. ...is because it follows the Star Wars format. In the fact that the sequel is darker than the first one. No wonder.
1: No wonder.
0: So, that's why Empire is the best Star Wars movie, because as far as tone and and theming of Empire Strikes Back it is much more dense and dark of storytelling than A New Hope and same goes for Raiders versus Temple of Doom Raiders is you know it's an ad- I mean both movies are an adventure mm-hmm. you know but Raiders isn't as dense with all of this uh, pulling hearts out of people's chests and you know even though the nazis i'm pretty sure want to use the ark of the covenant to take over the world um we assume we assume
1: maybe they just wanted just to have i don't know
0: but you know that's why to me temple of doom is the best one
1: not gonna disagree with you um it Temple of Doom has a very interesting place and a very important place in film history. Unfortunately, it has to do with something I don't care for very much, which is our current um rating system. Um but uh, Jack Valenti. God, he's burning in hell right now, I hope. Anyway. Um it, two um <laughs> Steven Spielberg films are the reason we have PG thirteen. It is *Temple of Doom* and it is *Gremlins*. Mm-hmm. Uh, these yeah, yeah, are the yeah. two films that prompted the rating be not jump from PG to R, but have an in between.
0: Yeah, because you know R was usually considered for more raunchier mm-hmm. uh, comedies mm-hmm. and or more
1: violent, mm-hmm.
0: right? And PG was a little bit more friendly, but maybe some adult humor like *Ferris Bueller* mm-hmm. is P- considered PG, even though they say shit.
1: They drop one fuck, don't they? No, I don't think so. But, um, so it was, um... Back to the Future was also PG. So, mm-hmm. Temple of Doom and Gremlins are like, it's not hard enough for an R, but it's, but it's too far to be PG, so let's create something else. And, mm-hmm. again, it has to do with our stupid rating system, which I hate so much. It's flawed, it's stupid, and it shouldn't be followed. But... <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, it is Temple of Doom does have its important place in film history, but now and I'll give you that.
0: Now, like I said, I don't I don't
1: dislike Last Crusade. Yes you do. You dislike Crusade and you dislike me. And you know what? <laughs> I take offense, and I'll tell you why I like Last Crusade. <laughs> Uh, Last Crusade is equivalent to Die Hard with a Vengeance in that it's okay. sort of this you know fun um, you know like riddle solving and you know yep. sort of an adventure yep. type yep. which I really like you well, know what I mean
0: I don't dislike The Last Crusade yes. um, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford have such good chemistry together mm-hmm. um The only, my only qualm with the movie is that the fucking Nazis are still in it, man. (laughs) Like, who gives a shit? We already (laughs) saw them in Raiders, you know, and and I think that's why I love Temple of Doom. Because, yeah, it's happening a year before, but the Nazis still had power in 1934, 1935. But that's not their, we're not focused on that.
1: You know, yeah, but the Nazi problem gets gets worse. It doesn't get better in the in the forties. Well, I know, but like, oh, I don't even remember what time period uh, um, Last Crusade takes place. Hang on, it hang could on. be like thirty nine, which is I the year you. they invaded Poland. So uh, what about that?
0: It starts in nineteen twelve, and then it you know with young oh, right, Indiana, with, right, and river. then it fast forwards to nineteen thirty eight. So, so two years a before they invade Poland. So two years after. Uh, Raiders, Raiders. Got it. Um, and then, of course, you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull takes if, place. We're in not counting King 57. Of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, Crystal Skull. Okay, we can at least both agree. Crystal Skull was trash. Yeah, of course. Um, and I mean, I, I'm saying this as a term of, of, of endearment. Um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is full Spielberg, <sighs> as in Aliens.
1: Spielberg loves Aliens, but it's <laughs> not. I will give Spielberg the this, all right? Uh-huh. Dan Aykroyd is the reason I know any of this, by the way. Because Dan Aykroyd loves aliens.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, his vodka is Crystal Skull. And
1: that's what I'm talking about. So the, the Crystal Skull is a real-life... Thing. ...mystery. Yeah. People don't know where they came from, right? And I get Spielberg's take on that. It's really interesting. <laughs> Whatever, who cares? It's... People what? don't know where they came from. I get it. Whatever, making up where you know, they come from, fine.
0: What they tried to do with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is, you know, capture that, you know, adventure, mystery, puzzle solving that they did with Raiders, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade with
1: an added super or not supernatural science fiction, I guess you could mm-hmm. say.
0: And instead of. Um, German Nazis we have Russians because it's 57 right which i feel like is a huge leap from 38 which is last crusade uh time I frame they, is,
1: they might have done and i don't i don't know the math but they might have done what they did with blade runner 2049 where that would from when blade runner came out in 82 then when in 2017 when blade runner 2049 came out that is the actual exact, time gap, yep. yeah. That is the exact time gap. I mean, so I haven't done the math or anything, but well, here you know what? it could be. On
0: Mike, let's 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 do this. So uh, uh, here we go. Um, math. Ugh, gross. Last Crusade came out in '89, Kay. and it takes place in
1: 1938.
0: Okay. And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out in 2008, takes place in 1957. So that is a. Yep. Uh, nope, nine-year gap from two thousand uh, eighty-nine to two thousand eight. Nine-year gap. Eighty-nine to two thousand eight,
1: and then from eighty
0: from thirty. Did you say
1: it's nine-year gap? That's not true.
0: Nineteen gap. Nineteen-year gap. Yeah. I I can't do math.
1: That's okay. I Son think this is also nineteen.
0: So nineteen years, and then I said fifty-seven in. Yep,
1: it is a nineteen-year gap.
0: And, and then 1983? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 19. Yep. Okay, so that was smart on okay, their that's part cool. then. So,
1: yeah, yeah. So they actually did do what Blade Runner did, um, but Blade Runner did it better.
0: Yeah. Okay. Not a big deal.
1: Crystal Skull, it just... <sighs> Like, like fucking ants. I don't even think it's Shia LaBeouf's fault, you know. Well,
0: did you know apparently uh, Harrison Ford was very vocal about working with Shia LaBeouf and like? Well, apparently, back then
1: I get it. Like he's different now, but. Well, well, that was that
0: was Shia LaBeouf's like rise, you know, because he'd gotten out underneath mm-hmm. the hood of Disney, mm-hmm. so he wasn't. Um, 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 I'm trying to remember his character from Even Stevens. Uh, I don't remember. But anyway, I so he's out from under the hood of Disney, and he's doing more and more, quote-unquote, adult roles. Because that was right right when he did Transformers, wasn't it? It was around the same time. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, I would say Shia LaBeouf did what most child stars do. You know, he got a little big for his britches, which explains why Harrison Ford hated working with him. Mm-hmm. Then he went crazy.
1: He did go a little nuts there, but he's back to normal. He's even out, And well, now I'm very excited to see Peanut Butter Falcon and uh um, Oh, you, you see the trailer for Peanut Butter Falcon? Yeah, well I mean it's out right now. So I mean Oh it's out oh, shit. Yeah, you could go see it anytime you want.
0: And welcome back to the Charlotte Buff Podcast. <laughs> That'd be cool. But so to close out uh with Raiders of the Lost Art, it's fantastic. It's I feel like it's the reason why I love history because mm-hmm. they talk about you know a lot of the, the you know the mythology of the Ark of the Covenant and you know how to find it and the clues and it's just yeah again I could rewatch this movie I'm going to rewatch this movie tonight uh, <laughs> while I work on homework oh, um, because I can quote the movie uh, word for word um, and be- before we end it. I just had a thought. A lot of the movies we discussed, a lot of the actors in these movies are dead now. You know, uh, the guy who played Roy in Blade Runner, he's mm-hmm. dead. He, he died recently too. <gasps> yeah. Um, Alan Rickman from Die Hard. Um, Corey Haim from The Lost Boys. Yeah. Um. Bob Hoskins from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um. Has any did anyone die? No, Harold Remus is dead now from Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And did anyone die uh, from the Batman? Yeah, the yeah. guy who uh, played um Jack Nicholson's mm-hmm. boss, the gang um, boss. He's yeah. dead now. I don't remember his name. He was also in City Slickers.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're right.
0: And both City Slickers. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, man. God, I um
1: so blockbusters. Blockbusters. Um, next week will be short, probably. <laughs> I haven't. As of right now, I have nothing for next week. I have no idea what I'm going to do next week, but I'll figure it out. So
0: to close out our '80s month next week, um, me and Jeremy are going to do kind of like a retrospective of '80s films. Yeah, kind of like a like a brief like summary of this month of, of talking about '80s and. It should be fun, and, uh, you know, we're glad. I know I'm glad. I don't know about Jeremy. Uh, you know, I'm glad that everyone's been sticking around and, you know, l- enjoying the, the 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 80s look back, because uh, after we do our final episode, it's going to go back to talking a little bit more specifically about specific movies. I know Jeremy's already got... I have a lot planned. Planned, yeah, 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 and you know what? He deserves it because he had to stick it out with me for this whole month of talking about eighties. So,
1: yeah, I appreciate you saying I deserve it because I do. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, uh, we
0: hope you everyone enjoyed the episode, and um, again, I'm fairly certain at some you know everyone listening of you've had to listen, seen these movies at some point. Um, I feel like. Not necessarily these are more memorable than the movies we've been talking about, but again, you know, with blockbusters, blockbusters tend to outshine other movies. Uh, Yeah, we we hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you next week for the final episode of 80s Month.